entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. New Yorkers went to the polls in an off-year primary election. The race to represent Central Harlem in the city council, Yusuf Salam has just over 50%. Bronx DA Darcel Clark also appeared to coast to another four-year term. There was also an upset in the making in Brooklyn. With 99% of the vote, challenger Chris Banks had 51%. Brooklyn's District 47 incumbent Ari Kagan is the projected winner. In the race for Queens District Attorney incumbent Melinda Katz, the projected winner. She was facing off against Devian Daniels and George Grasso. Donald Trump is reacting to an audio tape where he's allegedly sharing sensitive secrets. This could be key evidence against him in the case charging him with mishandling classified documents. We did nothing wrong. What did I say wrong in those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. So as you've heard me say repeatedly over and over again at this podium is that the president respects uh, the, uh, the Department of Justice independence. Uh, it res- he respects the rule of law. And that is what you're going to see under this administration. So I'm not going to speak uh, uh, to, uh, to any, any, anything uh, that is uh, related to that. On November 5th, 2024, we're going to stand up to the Marxist and communist, fascist and globalists. We're going to evict crooked Joe Biden. He is crooked as hell. You know, I took the uh, name away from Hillary. I was crooked Hillary. And now I call her beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. Yes, the listening audience as well, being on the radio now. Huge news, huge. Are you ready for this monumental announcement, which has nothing to do with the Biden family continuing to lie to America? Donald Trump, my main man, on fire once again in New Hampshire. This low-life scumbag, Yousef Salam, winning an election here in New York. Folks, you almost can't live here anymore. You really can't. I'm sorry. I am sorry I came back enthusiastically in 2016. I've lived in New York City most of that time, splitting time between the Wall Street area, Fidei, and the Upper West Side, but you almost can't live here anymore. When people are going to vote in folks like Alvin Bragg and now Youssef Salam, you can't live here. But it has nothing to do with any of that stuff, any of it. Are you ready, Lou Rapino, for this major announcement? Does it have to do with... Any 
TV, movie, news appearance, uh, appearance <laughs> that you're going to make on a talk uh, yeah. show, any yeah. any of those above. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with any of those things. Oh, so somebody woke up in Bell Harbor and took their dick pill this morning. Good morning to you, Lewis. <laughs> okay. Oh, we can throw that part of your script out now. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. Actually, that's going to be tomorrow's theme because tomorrow night, now that you mentioned it, happens to be the... In Floral Park, I believe, the red carpet premiere for season two of Gravesend. I've got three of the major cast members and characters. William DeMeo, he, of course, is the star of Gravesend, wrote it, directed it. His son, Christian, and our dear friend, Peter Gordio, coming in tomorrow. Friday, Chris Marmando, actor, will be here. And I believe that uh, the series season two is set to kick off Friday night, if not Monday night, either Friday or Monday on Amazon Prime. But no, that was not it, Lewis. Okay, uh, so I ruled that part out. Yes, and, and as of right now, I've got no new Fox News appearances this week. None right now. All right, it's good All because right. it's very difficult to keep up. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. Well, too you much know, the documents. July 4th holiday is coming up, and I'm going to be off Monday and Tuesday next week when you combine the weekend I've got a four-day weekend coming up, and I'm not doing anything. In fact, I'm going to take a little time this summer, something I never did. Bernard, God rest his soul, took a lot of time off. I didn't. So this summer, I'm going to do that because I'm getting old, I'm tired, and quite frankly, as good as I look, I'm close to death. So it's not it. No, you want to try one more time? A major announcement. Major. Is major. Huge. Uh, uh, obviously has to do with uh, the station. That's exactly wrong. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. All right. All right, you're done. So okay, done. what I did this morning is I've officially, officially gone back on Twitter. Oh, this is this is reason for applause right here, Lewis. Yes. Oh, let's find applause. After months and wow. months Woo. of really just doing Instagram. And, you know, I guess I just found this out. When I put something on Instagram, it automatically goes to Facebook. Like, I don't post on Facebook. It automatically goes there from Instagram. But I decided months and months ago because people on, on Twitter generally are the biggest lowlives, kind of like the folks I call Frank Morano at about 4.58 in the morning, just the real lowlives. So um, I went off it for a while. But, you know, it occurred to me, wait a second, wait a second, I've got Almost 37,000 followers. Not a big deal. Not 50 million like Donald Trump. But almost 37,000, which I'm sure kills everybody at this station. Except for maybe Reed. I don't know. So I um, I hopped back on and I thought a whole bunch of stuff about Gravesend, about today's show. So now you can follow me on Twitter as well. At Sid Rosenberg. At Sid Rosenberg. Follow me on Twitter, and now we've got uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. You're too sweet. Thank you. So there it is. <laughs> Hop on Twitter and follow me this I morning. Was, I was very close. Big though. announcement. Huge. It, all right. Yeah. Yes. You had no idea, didn't you? You, you just you had no idea. I had no idea, but I could zero in on certain things I mean, from <laughs> yeah. what I know about you. Are you kidding? It was about me. You knew that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, well uh, you know, uh, I was playing the game of Clue. And yes. Colonel Mustard yeah. uh, didn't have the candlestick, sure. so I figured it had to be something All about you. Sid. Yeah. Want to be Italian. Want to be Howard Stern. <laughs> both of those things are true, and um, only I can pull both of those things off. 
which is the reason why, at this point, as Frank Mano said earlier, I am, and the show is, uh, Thompson America. It's as big as it gets. So we, uh, we got a great guest list today, but there's one other personal story that I want to include early on. It has nothing to do with me, really. It's my son. And last night, my son Gabriel, you know the story. He was born. He couldn't walk. Danielle was nervous. So was I. We ended up, after a long time, taking little Gaby to Miami Children's Hospital, where some doctor, thank God, diagnosed him with dyspraxia. We have since started this wonderful charity. And um, the doctor said, I got good news. We know what he's got. Don't worry, he's going to walk, but he'll never lead the league in scoring, and he'll never score 30 points a game. And I was furious that morning with the doctor. I'm like, what a dick. You don't know my son. You don't know what's in his heart. You have no idea what he can and can't do. Do not make that determination. He's not even two. And I, w- I got much angrier than Danielle. She was just relieved that we knew what was going on, you know. So now fast forward 14 years, and my son goes to the basketball courts and can play. I remember during COVID when that a-hole Andrew Cuomo and that Mayor Bill de Blasio shut down the parks, which made no sense because even though you see a ton of New Yorkers walking around with masks on still, it's because they're morons, not because they're sick or they're old or they're, you know, maybe even compromised. They're stupid. That's it. There was never, ever a good reason from day one to lock people inside. That's where they got sick. I used to say all the time, go outside, get that vitamin D. So we go to the parks until they shut them down, and Gabe worked on his game. Now, look, Gabe is not Steph Curry by any measure. He's not Jalen Brunson, but he is a miracle, and he makes me proud every day. And last night, thanks to Brian Flip Mullen and all the guys at the St. Francis League on 129 in our neighborhood, Lewis, his Sandbar basketball team started the season. Now, if you had Sandbar to quote Water Wolf, and 39 and a half, you lost. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. At one point, we were down like 62 to 20. Mm. But it didn't matter because right there, goggles on, number 11, like Jalen Brunson, Phil Sims, Mark Messier, my boy Gabriel Martin Atticus Rosenberg started, thanks to Coach Mullen, and played a lot of minutes. So tonight is their second game. They play at 8.15 tonight. Last night they played at 7. So congratulations to my boy Gabe Rosenberg on his basketball debut. Yes, thank you, thank you. Very big deal for me, Danielle, Gabe, and everybody in the Rosenberg family. Congratulations to Gabe. You know, after the game, it was late. It's like after 8 o'clock. And I get up at 3.30. I like to try to wind down and go to bed by 9, 9.30. But they were hungry, the kids, him and his friend Willie. So I took him to Pico, one of your favorite places, Louis. Mexican food. Andale. You like it there. And I bumped into three famous Joes in our area. Joe from La Sorrentina Restaurant. Joe Ferranti, one of my best friends, lives down the block with his beautiful wife, Maria, and uh, famous attorney Joe Murray, 
all inside Pico at about 8.15 last night. So it was a wonderful night. It's a great memory. It's on my Instagram page right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Again, Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. And Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. That's how you find me. And a nice picture of me and Gabe right before the game last night. Did you see it? I didn't see I'm going to go look now. I didn't see it. Uh, you almost came last I night was, to the game. Yes, I, I was uh, juggling things and tried to get there. And I, yeah. I just couldn't. You had nothing I, but, to do. You were drunk and tired. Okay. You were there's, drunk there's and an tired. Option. There's an option, And your too. face is all red today because yeah. you're Irish. Right. You shouldn't go in the sun. No, I was, uh, yeah, that's what I was doing, baking all afternoon. So you, come, <laughs> you got me. And uh, I'm hoping the VIG is not in tonight for this game. So no. There's no It's, no it's going to be a shaving. huge line. Yeah. 30. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was in the uh, no there. I don't know what that was about. You and uh, Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan also said he was coming last night, never made it, but... I love you both, nevertheless. I love you both a lot. So, oh, excuse me. While all this is going on, you know, I got back on Twitter. Gabe is playing basketball. Our guy, Donald J. Trump, was back at it yesterday, this time in New Hampshire, campaigning with my guy, Sergio Gore, who, by the way, Sergio Gore happens to be the top guy at Winning Team Publishing. That is the publishing company that uh, makes all of Donald Trump's books, most recently Judge Janine's book, and now Carrie Lake's book. And Carrie and Sergio will be live in studio coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. But uh, Serge and Trump hit the campaign trail yesterday, and Donald reacted to this classified docs audio tape where, of course, the liberal media and all these folks on the left are trying to nail Trump, saying he admitted he had documents he should not have had. Trump says, "Uh uh-uh, I did nothing wrong. Here it is, Lewis, Donald Trump from New Hampshire, cut number one. We did nothing wrong. What did I say wrong on those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. There you have it. Then he went on to talk about stuff going on in America today which is just no good. One of those things is child sexual mutilation going on in all 50 states. And when Donald Trump wins again and becomes the 47th president after being the great 45th president, he will sign into law no more of this stuff. Donald Trump, Lewis, cut number two. I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, and other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our children. As I said, I will keep men out of women's sports, and I will sign a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. Can you believe that? (laughs) Yeah. Now, can you believe you have to say that? I'm going to sign a law to prohibit child sexual mutilation. Can you imagine saying that 15 years ago? People would look around. What the hell is what's he talking about? That's taking place in our country. It's it's insane what's going on. He's right. And then he goes on to talk about, of course, corruption at the highest level. This Lewis, once again, Donald Trump yesterday live from New Hampshire, cut number three. America is tired of being ruled by radical bureaucrats in Washington, and we are done with the likes of the Bidens and the Clintons and the Obamas and the radical left Democrats, the Marxists, 
Guys like Paul Ryan and Carl Rove, we're so tired of these people. We're so tired of them. But I promise you this, you put me back in the White House, their reign will be over, and it'll be over quickly, and America will be a free nation once again. Once again. When I'm back in the Oval Office, I will totally obliterate the deep state. And there is a deep state. I used to say, I don't know, is there a deep state? It's, it's far more vicious than anybody understands. That's why they do this stuff with me. But to do all this, of course, you have to get rid of the guy in charge right now. He's corrupt. He's evil. I'm sorry, Bill O'Reilly. Yes, he may be cognitive, got his issues, old man, debilitated, all that. But he is evil, and he is corrupt, and he's got to go. And Donald Trump knows it. The creature in the White House, Donald Trump, cut number four. On November 5th, 2024, we're going to stand up to the Marxists and communists, fascists and globalists. We're going to evict crooked Joe Biden. He is crooked as hell. You know, I took the uh, name away from Hillary. I was crooked Hillary. And now I call her beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> I love that. Now she's beautiful, Hillary. Okay, we got a huge Hump Day Wednesday lineup about to come your way. We really do. All these local district city council races, a couple of big surprises, a couple not-so-surprises, and a few setting up for a big-time competition for the general election coming up in November. We'll break it all down with the host of The Other Side of Midnight, my dear friend Frank Morano. He'll be here at 6.40. Curtis Sliwa will do some of that as well. Plus, you just don't know with Curtis. He's on daily because he's great. He's coming up at 7.05. We'll talk to Gordon Shang, the latest on Russia and China. He'll be here at 7.40. My mom, Naomi, makes her long-awaited return. She's coming up at 8.10. We'll do Nuggets with Noam coming up at 8.25. Congressman Peter King, his Wednesday slot. He's coming up at 8.40. And again, the entire 9 o'clock hour, Carrie Lake. Her new book is Unafraid. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. It's me, Sid, on a Wednesday on Talk Radio 77 WABC. in the white talk radio 77 wabc this is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc Back on Twitter, you can follow me at Sid Rosenberg. Once again, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. Williams, you know, one time I was telling you how sick and tired I was of Michael Strahan. 
And I saw a big number 92 at Ohika Castle on Monday. And he pulled up, and there's a bunch of geeks there, you know, and these reporters, and all waiting for Mike. And he pulls up, and they start to almost hyperventilate, you know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Mike, Michael's here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. I want <laughs> yeah. that one camera here, and then I want you in the path following him to hole number 16. Okay? So you get that shot. That's how it went, basically. But I remember covering Michael when I was at WFAM when he was just sacking opposing quarterbacks and bitching about not getting paid and having Madelish, who's in paid six every day. I'm not all that impressed. I'm sorry. And I hate his work on Good Morning America. I hate it. And quite frankly, he's not a very good interviewer either. But whatever, he's a great giant. He's a Hall of Famer. I know him for years. So I walk over, I give him a hug. And he gave me a hug. He said, man, are you like at the beach every day? I go, yeah. He goes, you got some tan. Then as I made my way away from Mike... I asked him to take a quick picture, and he went nuts. Oh, come on, man. No, no, no one's going to drag me around today. I'm, I, I got to get you to know, listen. Give me a couple of hours, and I'm like, you dick. What do you think? You, it takes one second to put your gap-tooth stupid smile on a picture. Don't start giving me the old, oh, leave me alone, man. I need some time. What do you need time for? Good God, it's you're making millions of dollars, <laughs> and you're not really good at anything, to be honest. It's just a picture. Take a picture and shut up. He couldn't take a picture. Couldn't take a picture. Made a big deal about it. Hmm. But as sick as I am with Strahan, because he's everywhere, right? At one point, he's on with Kelly. He's on Good Morning America, $20,000 Pyramid, every Sunday on the NFL on Fox. You know who's worse? Ryan Seacrest, also another guy that Kelly worked with. This guy has a radio show, I think, every morning in Los Angeles, American Idol, and now you're telling me of all the people out there that Ryan Seacrest is going to replace Pat Sajak? I just don't, I don't see Ryan Seacrest. Don't get me wrong, he's a great-looking guy, great-looking guy, and everybody loves him. I get it. But is he a game show host? I don't see it. And then you got Vanna White, all 80 pounds of her. 66 years old. She's like lawyering up now because, according to Vanna, she hasn't gotten a raise in 18 years. That's even worse than me. And I complain all the time. 18 years. What's she waiting for? Eight? I don't know. <laughs> now she's going to Now get a she's raise. lawyering up. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's like, wait a second. It was one thing when Sajak was there because she's getting older. And now I got this young, good looking guy hosting the show. But you know that's going to bother her. Women are crazy anyway. So it's a mess. Ryan Seacrest is way overexposed, way overexposed. But he's going to be the new host of Wheel of Fortune, which I never watch, ever. I don't watch that. I don't watch Jeopardy. I don't watch any of that stuff. Do you? Jeopardy is still good. Jeopardy still has me. Wheel of Fortune, gone right away. As soon as that, soon as that the tones start or whatever, they start to yell yeah, and yeah. they sort of phrase... That's uh, that's for the I don't know. That's a Middle America show more. I mean, I don't, which one? I don't know. The Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, it's for morons. It's, yeah, so right. maybe we well, talked about that. Well, maybe they need a boost, yeah. and maybe he, that's yeah. why they're doing it. Four-legged animal C dash T. Can I buy a vowel? <laughs> <laughs> morons. I, I'd still need help. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's a big story today. Ryan Seacrest is um, is now going to be the host of Wheel of Fortune. But, of course, in terms of politics, the one I just can't believe is Yusef Salam. I can't believe it. I'm sorry. 
I know he was exonerated, but again, at the risk of repetition, he was in the park doing no good that night. Maybe he didn't rape that girl. In fact, he probably didn't. But he was there with those guys. He was, quote-unquote, wilding. He was making otherwise innocent people miserable that night. And how do we reward this guy? Millions and millions of dollars. And then you assholes in New York, sorry, vote them into city council. You can't live here anymore, folks. You can't live here. You got to leave. I'm sorry. You got a DA in Alvin Bragg who hates white people, hates Republicans, and hates you. Now you've got Yusef Salam, who is literally in bed with a guy that helped bomb the World Trade Center back in 1993. I'm not even kidding. And Louis Farrakhan, who hates Jews. You got a governor who's up in Buffalo who thinks her job is to go to Buffalo, build football games, and make money. You got a mayor who's completely lost his mind. He's talking to God. You got filth and homeless, taxes. This is, you can't live here anymore. This is not a joke. Yousef Salam on the city council? A kid that spent his days and nights in Central Park doing bad? Yes, he didn't rape her. So what? He wasn't out there handing out candy. What are we doing in this city? What are you people thinking? Who votes for these people? And Josh here he spoke was. to my heart and yeah. said, you are going to be the mayor January yeah. 1st, 2022. Yeah, right. So here he is yesterday speaking on his city council victory in Harlem. Youssef Salam Lewis, this is cut number 13. This campaign has been about those who have been counted out. This campaign has been about those who have been forgotten. This, this campaign has been about our Harlem community who has been pushed into the margins of life. Yousef Salam. This campaign, community, something about light, I don't know. But man, to me, of all the people that have won here in New York recently, and there's a lot of losers, a lot of losers This one is the scariest of all. And let me tell you this. It wasn't even close. Now, I'm not a huge Inez Dickens fan either. In fact, I had an opportunity to uh, co-host John Katzmatidi's great show. Back then, it was Katz at Night, not Katz and Cosby. And uh, John was off on Martin Luther King Day because he and the lovely Margot went to Pennsylvania to meet with the governor. So he had me host his show that day. And Inez Dickens was on. And her and I had some words about Al Sharpton because I criticized Al Sharpton and she likes him. Now, I'm not that shallow where if you like somebody I don't like, I won't like you. But if you really like Al Sharpton, I have to question where your heart is and who you are. And that's Inez Dickens. But with that said, she is a ten times better person than Yusef Salam. And I really thought she was going to win. I don't know why. I should know better by this point. New Yorkers don't vote. They don't vote. I mean, the number is pathetic. And the ones that do are the low lives, and they vote race. Bottom line, they vote race, and who can help them? And then what happens? Guys like me and other people, influential, 
Well, to do people, they bitch and complain. But the truth is, they weren't out there yesterday or the nine days prior where you had the opportunity to vote with early voting. And I always say, if you want to bitch and complain, you better vote. Because if you don't, in my opinion, you lose your voice. Yusef Salam. OMG. That means, oh, my God. Traffic with Joe Nolan and Frank Morano coming up next. Right now, it's time for the Tunnel to Towers update. My main man, CEO Frank Siller, he's going to tell us how the foundation is honoring a veteran here in our very own area. How about that? Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sid. Well, Tunnel to Towers is honored to have delivered a mortgage-free smart home to catastrophically injured veterans and their families. Just about every week this month, your donors over the years have been donating $11 a month and were able to do all this great work. But I, I can't even tell you how happy I am to talk about Marine Corps staff Sergeant Ben Webb in Union Beach, New Jersey. He was deployed in Afghanistan three times to support Operation Enduring Freedom in Iraq and support Operation Iraqi Freedom. He was awarded three Purple Hearts in 2017, retired due to injuries sustained for his services. He's had multiple shrapnel wounds, severe concussions, several traumatic brain injuries through his four tours. He got a mortgage-free smart home that he deserved. He's given so much for his country. He said, the smart home really gives back me my life, a place to enjoy life again in my little corner of the world. So please visit T2T.org to support our nation's heroes by donating $11 per month. Thanks, Sid. All right, thank you, Frank. As always, as he said, donate just $11 a month. Do it today for America's heroes at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Four kids were found in a drag party with one dead trans guy on the floor, and the kids were in the back. There were sex toys scattered throughout the house and a hoarder home. Doesn't make headline news. The first trans state representative, Stacy Lawton, a.k.a. Barry Lawton, from uh, New Hampshire, was just arrested for distributing child porn. Okay, it just happened. And mind you, they couldn't find him because he transitioned and changed his name. How about this and one? And by the way, they're trying to pass laws in, in, in California and other states where if, once you change your name and you're trans, yeah. it sponges your, 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 your criminal record. Pro- police oh, record. really? Oh, yeah. So well, yeah, just change your name, Alex. Yeah. So yeah. Now you're Alexandra Jones exonerated. Yeah. You're good. You're no, oh, you owe no money. And one more. So three days ago, the ex-CNN producer, John Griffin, was sentenced 19 years for sexually assaulting a nine-year-old. Okay? And then this was the other day. This is in New York City, a drag market. March, where the marchers are chanting, we're here, we're queer, we're here for your children. Tell, me, this. tell me this isn't disgusting. Listen. They're not there. Now listen, this is out. We're, we're how, do wanna, how do you want to bet those are public school teachers? 
Seeger. How about that cut from Alex Jones? Show? I mean, he's a lowlife, but how about you can change your name and change your sex? And in certain states like California, and I'm sure here next, they will consider expunging your criminal record. So if you're Lou Rufino and you've got a whole bunch of issues, criminal issues, if you wake up one morning and become Louise Rapino, oh, you you're good to me. go. I was going to pick another name. I what name know. were you going to pick? Uh, I, was, uh, I was going to pick, um, forget it. I can't say <laughs> okay. it. Okay. I don't want to say it What now. a mess. What about Lois? You yeah, can't. Yeah, Lois works, too. Yeah, you you right. just can't live anywhere it's anymore. Not close at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the theme, basically, for the first 45 minutes, outside of guys like Michael Strahan, Ryan Seacrest, Gaby playing his first basketball game last night, and me back on Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg, is you can't live in New York anymore. You can't do it. Governor is awful. The mayor is a psycho. I become friendly with him, but he's no good, let's be honest. And now the city council, Youssef Salam, one of the, quote, exonerated five, wins in Harlem. A guy that follows this very, very closely, he's great at it, is my dear friend, the host of The Other Side of Midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every morning here during the weekdays on WABC, Frank Morano. And, Frank, we got to start right there because I got the feeling yesterday when you broke down this District 9 race in Harlem that you thought Inez Dickens was going to win this. This has to be a huge shock, a relatively easy win for Youssef Salam, Frank. Well, I did think that uh, Salam had a chance of winning, but I never thought that uh, Salam was going to win by as much of a margin as he did. I mean, look, you got to understand, Inez Dickens has been elected repeatedly in this district. She used to hold this seat, and then uh, she left the seat due to term limits, ran for state assembly. She won that overwhelmingly. So, yeah, I thought, and she was endorsed by all the icons of Harlem politics, people like Charles Rank who won district race after race in this seat. He endorsed her. Eric Adams, who won overwhelmingly in this district in both the primary and the general, he endorsed her. So um, it turned out none of that mattered because Salam beat Dickens by more than two to one. It's really astounding. The old Harlem is gone. I heard Hank Scheinkoff say on another, uh, another show recently that this was a battle between old Harlem politics and new Harlem politics. I think he's right. And the page has absolutely been turned, and it has been turned to an insane direction. 
I shudder to think about what the kind of things Yusuf Salam is going to be putting forward Aye. when he's in the city council. It's astounding. Aye. You know, you talk about uh, how these other people endorse these candidates and how certain candidates fare. we got to get this out of the way because he's on every weekday morning. He's coming up in about 17 minutes, the uh, great Curtis Sliwa. And he was furious with you yesterday. And when that happens, I get the text right away. He's part of the family. He's part of the commission. But Frank Morano must, must apologize and correct some mistake about Curtis and Lee Zeldin in some district. Are you willing, ready, prepared to do both? Yeah, neither, I, again, neither. This, this is so incredibly insignificant that I'm not going to spend more than 20 <laughs> seconds on it. But, yeah, so the 13th City Council District in the Bronx, a very interesting race, which we'll talk about, I hope, in a second. I said that both Curtis and Lee Zeldin won that. So I said that the Republicans had a shot at winning it this November. Curtis did win it. Zeldin barely lost it. He got 47% of the vote. So he, he did not win w- that district, which I said that he did. <laughs> but my point is still the same, which right. is the Republicans yeah. have yeah. a real shot at actually picking up a seat in the Bronx. So why Curtis chooses to focus on that <laughs> rather than the broader point is just yeah. beyond. Did you just ask why Curtis? <laughs> I mean, right, he's exactly. brilliant. He's a great radio guy, but he's a psycho. Well, let's yeah. stick with uh, District 13 in the Bronx. That, of course, Mike Rendino, his sister Christy, uh, winning at least uh, right now. I know it's very, very close with Curtis's candidate, George Havernick. Uh, the lady that joined me twice live in studio, Samantha Zerka, she's not going to win this. So it comes down to Christy and Havernick, and it looks like with a couple of hundred votes out there somewhere that Christy is in the lead when is this finally going to be over? Okay, this is a fascinating, fascinating race. It's not only a fascinating race because this is one that the Republicans genuinely have a chance to win, but there's all sorts of other intrigue. You have the chairman, Mike Rendino's sister, as the leading candidate. Uh, Curtis is involved as a colorful character. He always makes everything interesting. I have posted the video that Christy Marmorado, Rendino's sister, has posted alleging that Curtis and his gang of thugs were intimidating her the day before the election. I also posted the perspective from Curtis's candidate. That's all on my Facebook page. People could watch the videos for themselves and uh, judge for themselves. Here's where we are now, uh, Sid. Right now, Christy Marmorado is leading George Havernick by only 74 votes. Now, people might think, okay, what's the big deal there? Here's the big deal. Remember, this is an election with ranked choice voting. So the candidate with the least number of votes Everyone that voted for that candidate gets to vote for their gets to have those votes transferred to their second choice. So even though Samantha Zerka finished a z- distant third, she could actually hold the key to who wins this election. So if Zerka's voters ranked Havernick by a strong margin, there's a good chance, even though Havernick is trailing now, he could win. Now, people might well, think, wouldn't, the you think but wouldn't you think those chances are good being that uh Christie, of course, is Wendino's brother. Curtis has pointed out a lot of very uh, unsavory things about Wendino, and Curtis's candidate is, in fact, Havernick. Wouldn't that be huge for I George? Would, 
Yes, I would think that uh, those are going to break Havernick's way. Um, I don't know how much. Now, some people may have just voted for Zerka and not ranked any of the other candidates. That's why it's so important when people go to vote in these primaries that they rank all their choices, because if they didn't rank other candidates, then Havernick screwed. The other issue is some people may have voted for Zerka and then looked for another female candidate. But here's the other issue in that race that we're going to look for. There are still 212 absentee ballots that were that were requested for that race. 90 have been returned. So it looks like there are still some absentee ballots to count. This race, normally would we would know it, the outcome on Tuesday, but because next Tuesday is a holiday, July 4th, they're going to run the algorithm and all the ballots will have to be in by July 5th. Now, the r- ridiculous state legislature actually passed a law that lets people uh, cure their absentee ballots. So if someone made a mistake on their absentee ballot, they wrote the wrong name, they signed in the wrong place, they wrote the wrong address, they're actually going to be notified by the Board of Elections that their absentee ballot was deficient and they have a chance to cure that ballot. So uh, I would think those probably break more the organization's way. So if I am uh, betting this point, I still think Christie pulls it out, All right. but it's by no means a four gone conclusion. This is still anyone's race. All right, Frank Morano joining us here. The uh, morning after these big city council races, our friend Ina Vernikoff wins again in Brooklyn. We love that. I did bring Anna Delphaus on here. I also brought on Ari Kagan with a call, Malio Takis. And uh, Ari Kagan gets the win, and that's going to set up, I believe, a huge general election fight between Ari, former Democrat, now Republican, and the incumbent, number two, actually, in the city council, Justin Brennan. Do you see that as a competitive race in November, or does Justin win again relatively easily? Well, I do see it. Look, I mean, it's everything's relative, right? So most of these districts in New York City are either unopposed or you see the Democrat winning with 85, 90 percent of the vote. So this could be the one of the most competitive seats in the city. So this is the 47th Council District. Brooklyn includes a lot of interesting neighborhoods. This is the only matchup this year that has two councilmen running against each other in the general election. So Kagan, former Democrat, is running as the Republican and Brannon, uh, the Democrat. Running obviously, obviously is the incumbent. So it, both of them have a piece of the district as it is a councilman on councilman battle in the general election. If I'm betting, I think Brandon wins, uh, but it's going to be very competitive because there's nothing at the top of the ticket this year in Brooklyn or citywide driving turnout. So it's all going to be a question of who can get out their voters. I do think the contours of the district, the way it is now, do favor Brandon a little bit. But the big surprise of the night, and I think cause for self celebrating is the uh, defeat of Charles Barron is very surprising defeat of Charles Barron in the 42nd council district, which is Brownsville Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Now, obviously I think a lot of our listeners know who Charles Barron is uh, new black Panther party admitted black socialist, a militant, militant racial arsonist. And he has represented this seat since 2001 when he was elected. Then he was term limited who took over for him, his wife, And then his wife, uh, when she took over, he took her seat in the state assembly. Then 
when she was term limited, he came back two years ago and took back his old council seat. So there have been there's been a baron in this seat since uh, the election in 2001. So this really marks an end to decades of baron dominance in Brownsville. And uh, I think that's for for the best. But you mentioned the Havernick seat. That's going to be a competitive seat in the Bronx against Marjorie Velasquez. We talked about the uh, Brannon versus Kagan seat. The other race that's still too close to call right next door to that Kagan Brannon seat is a district that was created for an Asian to represent them. Now, I told you why the Brooklyn GOP would have gone out of their way for a seat that's crafted for an Asian and endorsed a guy by the name of Vito Labella. He's not Asian. No sense to me. (laughs) Apparently not. Now, they did originally endorse an Asian, but that Asian dropped out. Apparently he got he got scared after seeing what happened with Lester Chang. Okay, well, so there was another Asian candidate that ran in the Republican primary against Vito Labella yesterday. And right now she is leading by 48 votes. Her name is Ying Tan. There's still 70 absentee ballots left to count in that race. But that's going to be a very competitive race in the general election. You have the Republican Asian candidate, probably Ying Tan, but maybe Vito Labella versus the Democratic uh, Asian candidate, Susan Zhang. If um, Ying Tan wins this primary, I think the Republicans win that seat in the general election, which would be a major pickup for them. Uh, and then you have in Queens a battle of not a councilman versus councilman, but a councilman versus a former councilman. Vicky Palladino, Bayside, 19th District, she is running against a person that was an elected official in this part of Queens for a long time, Tony Avella. Avella's leading his primary. Uh, there's still some votes left to count because wow. of ranked choice voting. And you'll see the former councilman, Avella, running against uh, Vicky Palladino. I think Vicky's well positioned here because this district has become a bit more conservative since Tony left it. So you're talking about the new Asian community, Ari Kagan. Uh, if my math serves me correct, and I may be wrong here. But we may be looking at, what, like eight Republicans? Eight? That's a big number. That's the most that uh, that there could be. So uh, if Kagan is able to catch lightning in a bottle and beat Brannon, if um, if the Republicans can win in the Asian seat, and if um, Havernack or Christy Marmorado could beat uh, Marjorie Velasquez, you're talking – Possibly as many as nine. Now, I don't think that's likely. So I think you're probably looking at seven, which is still the largest majority. I think the Republicans have had in not the majority, but the largest number the Republicans have had in the city council in literally decades, maybe ever since uh, since they did away with proportional representation. And I think some of that is a result of changing voting patterns. But a lot of this is due. And I'm not just saying this because he's my friend to the leadership of the minority leader, uh, Joe Borelli, who really uh, worked with the mayor's people to get maps that were favorable to the Republican candidates running this year. And I think to some extent, if the Republicans do end up with seven, eight or nine seats after November, really the unsung hero in uh, getting these maps uh, approved is going to be Joe Borelli. And of course, on the D.A. side, Curtis's ex-wife, Melinda Katz, she beat my friend, the judge, George Grasso, wanted Grasso to win, but that was never going to happen. And Dorsell Clark wins again as well. So maybe one or two surprises. He talked about Barron and Youssef Salam, but uh, looking back at this, that's about it, right? 
I think so. Now, the other race that uh, there is a possibility of a major upset is the 44th City Council District in Brooklyn. This is a heavily Orthodox Jewish area. And two years ago, Kalman Yeager was endorsed by both the Democrats and Republicans. He's a very conservative Democrat. He's part of that whole common sense caucus. Well, there was a time yesterday that Heshi Tischler, the person running against him in the GOP primary, was leading. As of now, Yeager is leading by 20 votes. I think he ends up pulling that out and he'll again be Democrat and Republican. Republican, but there's still 126 absentee ballots left out to count in that race. If Tischler pulls that out with the absentee ballots, that's also another seat that the Republicans pick could pick up. But I have a feeling the Republicans on the council would rather keep uh, yeah. Common Yeager than have Heshley Tischler. Well, that is a great job, Frank Morano, folks. He's a great host. You can tell. Other side of midnight, one to five a.m. every weekday morning. He's funny. He's entertaining. He's brilliant. You heard that breakdown just now. I mean. You can't get Jimmy Johnson to do a better job on football on Sundays. Frank, as always, thank you for the 411. We enjoyed it, and we'll do it again sometime next week. Have yourself a great day. Thank you. And if you see Curtis, tell him, let him know I might have been wrong about two percentage points five years ago <laughs> in a race. And if he wants to bring that up, be my guest. Oh, I'm going to see Curtis, all right. He's coming up next. And something tells me, Frank, your name may come up. Curtis is coming up next. Gordon Chang, my mother, Naomi Rosenberg. Congressman Peter King, and an hour in studio with Carrie Lake, the 9 a.m. hour. All that still a come your way. Hour number one on the Hump Day Wednesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning in the Books. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Who won't get fooled again as we start hour number two of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, 710 on your 
Wednesday morning. I did speak moments ago via text to Thomas Kniff. He happens to be the attorney for Marine hero Daniel Penny, who saved a bunch of lives on the train a couple of months ago. Maybe last. I forget exactly what it was, but uh, he's going to be arraigned today. The charges are manslaughter, too. Also, don't forget, negligent homicide. So Daniel Penny in court this morning will be arraigned today. I just spoke to Thomas. He still remains very confident they're going to win this thing. He'll be acquitted and uh, exonerated. And Kniff will join me on this program, as he always does, coming up tomorrow. But after Frank Morano, as we do every weekday morning at this time, of course, this man gets big, big ratings, noon to one every weekday. He owns the weekend overnights, but some say, some, he does his best work right here every morning between 7.05 and 7.10 with me. He is the icon, the legend, the great Curtis Lee. Now, going home yesterday, I'm on the ferry, and I got a very, very alarming text from Curtis, who told me something that he said he had heard from Brian Kilmeade. Now, you have to know. This is not Greg Kelly or Rudy Giuliani or even Curtis because these guys don't like the mayor. That's the bottom line. They don't like him. Brian Kilmeade, he actually likes things about Eric Adams. So Kilmeade sent this news to Curtis. He sent it to me, and it is a terrifying possibility. And I like this girl. Curtis will tell you who she is. I like her. But this is ridiculous. With that said, Curtis, take it away. First off, Thomas Kniff, what an outstanding American. He lost against Alvin Bragg. He was the Republican candidate for DA in Manhattan. I campaigned side-by-side with him when I ran for mayor. Yes, you did. I'm going to urge Thomas Kniff to run again. He is. And I hope all Republicans will rally around this guy. He's right out of central casting as a DA, right? Yeah. And you know he'll bring back law and order. So that's number one. You're both going to run again. You're going to run for mayor. He's going to run for something else. And you're both great Americans. And you're both going to win the next time around. Go ahead. Let me tell you something. This is alarming. Remember that uh, show, Family Affair, with the father who had the son, uh, Jody, and then Buffy came over, you know, and the butler raised them on Park Avenue. You remember that? Not only do I remember that show, but the daughter Buffy, this beautiful little girl, she ended up, both kids, I think, having major drug problems. Yes. And I think one of them even died, I think. But at the very least, they suffered, much like the kids. What was that show with Dana Plato and Todd Bridges? Different strokes. Yes. They went through the yeah. same thing. Back then, every young kid on TV went through hell. That was the case. But what is your point with Family Affair? Damn, you killed my bit, son. Oh, my God. Here it is. We're, we're crawling into the belly of the beast. <laughs> I want to remember them as Jody and Buffy. Yes. yes. Buffy on Park Avenue. That's who's going to be your next police commissioner if we don't stop it now. Wait a second. Buffy? Yeah, on Buffy. Buffy. A.K.A. Jessica Tish. No. Pass the gray poupon. Jeeves. Jeeves, my butler. Jeeves. Can you pick up that piece of trash there on Park Avenue? She is from the Tish family. And Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. By the way, my husband-in-law, David Patterson, I know you can't see, but he's building another shelter right across the street from where you live with my former wife and my son, Anthony, for 500 illegal families and all their kids. 
and they're going to be your neighbors. Maybe you'll bring them over for well, for, for what? Uh, a little <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Patterson, you supported Eric Adams. Now he's put one of those shelters right next to where I used to live. Now, getting back to uh, Jessica Tish, you may remember when we celebrated women yes. here at the station. That was a great day. Nice job by John and Margot Katz-Matidis. I reached out to the mayor. And all three major departments have women leading them. At the time, Sewell was the police commissioner. She still is. You had Kavanaugh, the fire department, and Tish Sanitation. Oh, they're doing an outstanding job. There's garbage everywhere. All she says is compost, compost. Lady, there's garbage everywhere. Well, and, oh, Kavanaugh, top shelf, five-star. I know, that's a rough one. I like Jessica. Horrible. Yeah, Kavanaugh is horrible. And, and all the men in the fire department can't stand her. That's a fact. They didn't even love Daniel Nigro. They really can't stand this lady. But Tish came on. She was very, very sweet. She does come from a very wealthy family, the football giants. But um, what does she know about policing? That's the problem. That's She's the never problem. been a cop. She's never busted so a shoe. So you you cannot be an effective police commissioner. I agree with you, unless you've actually served. Is you that have your point? to earn the respect of the men and women whose morale is shot because of comrade Bill de Blasio for eight years. And now the two years of Eric Adams, who's hired no new cops, remember that. Their ranks are depleted. They're being recruited away. Can you imagine if all of a sudden the mayor introduces Buffy from Family (laughs) Affair with a silver spoon in her mouth, big enough to offset the trade balance between Red China and the United States as your new police commissioner? Well, I know that there are people, people get very angry with you because I get texts. And it happened during the migrant uh, deal, and of course our friend in uh, in Bell Harbor in Rockaway. What is her name? The uh, the representative, oh, Ariola. Yes, Joe and Ariola. And when people would send me messages, I would say, "Hey, do me a favor, okay? First of all, it's great radio, so just suck it up. That's the most important thing. We want ratings. But secondly, you can't lie. And truth be told, most of the stuff that Curtis says on this show." Turns out to be true. There is no way Curtis just created this scenario. Where did I say it's coming from? City Hall. There are rats in City Hall that used to be in the Thomas Jefferson Democratic Club, Conklin Avenue and 92nd Street in Canarsie. All roads lead to Canarsie. Right, Frank Garone? Right, Anthony Caron. I know you guys. Leave I know my the friends people out live of this. City Hall. <laughs> but they my... dropped on. They eat the Parmesan cheese. I grew up with them. I saved some of these guys' lives there from the Gabons when they were putting boots to the back of their head. They're ready to collect their pension, and guess what they tell me they're doing? They're heading to Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York. They've had it. They know what's going on in City Hall. It's a mess. It's a leaderless ship. So when Kilmeade sent you this, did he say to you, Curtis, that this is going to happen? It's likely going to happen. They're just talking about it. Where are we with the real possibility that Tish, with zero experience, can go from leading the sanitation department to the cops? Well, first off, let me salute Brian Kilmeade for being on point and sharing that with us, Sid. Sharing that with us. Great job, Brian Kilmeade. And then I asked Greg Kelly, son of the greatest police commissioner we ever had, 12 years. Well, right, be Kelly? careful with him. He hates the mayor. No, 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 I understand. Be careful. I understand. But the point was, he just nodded to me. He didn't say anything, uh, but he nodded to me. And now I've thrown it through the ranks of active police officers at One Police Plaza. That's right, Phil Branks. I know your driver. <laughs> I know how you loan the money in and out of the ATM machines. But anyway, the point being is, I ran it up the pole and they said, Curtis, 
It's just about a fait accompli. That's why it's wow. up to you, Sid, and me, and Brian killed me, and everybody here at this station to put up that firewall. Can you imagine? Here's your new police commissioner, Buffy from Park <laughs> Avenue. Jeeves, can you pick her up at 5 o'clock and take her home? Well, out of all the people you could pick for police commissioner. What happened to your boy, Caban? Eddie Caban. He's the perfect choice. He would be the first Latino. In fact, the mayor would get credit. Wow, the first Latino police no, it's all about control. It is all about control. Does, you does, know. does Mayor Adams have to have a woman? Again, New York Police Department, Fire Department, Sanitation, Sewell leaves. Now he's considering another woman to do it. Is it as easy as he has to appoint a woman? That's his thing? Sit. Sit. Bottom line is, who's the police commissioner in this city and why we are falling into the abyss? It's Eric Adams. Yes. And Banks. Phil Banks. Phil right. Banks, right. right. An unindicted co-conspirator who should be in jail, but he became a confidential informant. I almost get the feeling that uh, you'd almost rather have Madry as the commissioner. No, never. Than never. Pish- no? Job. <laughs> unless unless uh, he ends up taking uh, Soul Peter every day to calm his libido. <laughs> this guy is out of control. No, there's so many capable men and women in the department. Well, give me one. You mentioned Eddie Caban. That's a good one. Anybody else? I don't want to put a curse on anybody else. I mean, let's face it. What if if we, I know you said this guy sucks on the air more than once. Quote, he sucks. What about Rodney Harrison? Oh, yeah, Rodney Harrison. Let's remove a billion dollars from the police department. That's right, with Che. Remember, they were applauding Bill de Blasio. Oh, let's remove a billion dollars. Rodney, stay out in Suffolk well, County. Well, I got one for you, you, then. If we grab Sewell from Nassau County, yes. Peter Kinkfield's like, uh, you know, she's his. Maybe we should take a look at Pat Ryder, the guy who right now is running the Nassau County Police Department. No. Look at him. <laughs> are but, you out of your mind? Well, but, well, all you want is Eddie Caban. No, 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 no. There are a number of fine men and women. I'm not going to put the scarlet letter on him. You want the perfect person for this job, you're going to laugh at me. Yes. Who knows more about crime in New York City? Who has dedicated their lives for the last four decades to the people of New York City? I know you're going to think it's nuts. Also, no experience in that position. You. Yeah, well, look, I've already offered to be the rat star. How's that working out, Eric not Adams? Well, not well. Can you identify her in a police lineup? Who is this rat star? <laughs> and I see rats running all over the place. Not only the four-legged rats, but the two-legged rats <laughs> who keep ratting these imp- these pieces of information to me. And that's why these elected officials, Republicans and Democrats in City Hall, and the mayor's, uh, uh, excuse me, the governor's uh, people are so upset. How does Curtis know this? Your own people tell me, you idiots, you schmucks, you putzes, because you can't keep your mouth shut. You walk around, you know, busting your, your shoes, talking about, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And you know what they do? They pick up my cell phone, and it melts down. And they give me all the info. And then I bring it to you. And I've been right most of the time. Yes, you have. Spot yes, on. you have. Damn right. Spot on almost every time. So don't get mad at Curtis this morning, folks. Instead... Do your homework, and if this is true, no disrespect to Jessica, lovely lady. I love the Tish family. She has no right, no right being in that position. Don't get mad at Curtis. Get mad at the mayor and this city. Wait, wait, because you people idea. like Yusef Salam win in this city. That's right. And by the way, Yusef Salam didn't just won. win. He, he won killed in him. an avalanche. Yeah. All the moderate elected Democrats, right? we support Inez Dickens. She didn't even come close. Yusef Salam, again, who supported him 
Imam Siraj Wahaj, the guy who sued me for $5 million, and I beat him in court. You got to fight them. And Scooey Louie Farrakhan, I want every one of those moderate Democrats, Wrangle and Eric Adams and everybody who came behind Inez Dickens, whose time has passed, condemn Farrakhan. Condemn Farrakhan. <laughs> condemn Farrakhan. <laughs> who? Oh, oh, that's right. Eric Adams used to support Farrakhan. How no. am I going to condemn it? Yeah. Come on. You know the deal on this. No, I know. I know the deal. But let me, while you talked about that city council race, again, it's the shocker and the one that really tells no, you not a shocker that New me. York is in the toilet. Okay, maybe but not. If you got your boots on the ground like I've got my boots on no, the no, ground, I, you I realize think, it's no, no. not a shocker. Not a shocker that he won, but the margin of victory, absolutely a shocker. No one could have expected he would have killed her like that. Sid, they have no pull operation. Any longer. There's no Democratic clubs. There are 12 Altachakas who come for the free coffee and the free entomage, and they have patronage jobs. They couldn't pull a crowd of 100 if their life depended on it. That's why George Grasso had to appear at Republican clubs, even though he fought your ex-wife in a Democrat DA race in Queens. But I do want to talk about your guy, Havernack. Yes. Frank Morano broke it down. Was he correct in the way he broke it down? Uh, first off, Frank who has repeated four times he's come on your show. Well, you know, that was the district that Curtis beat Eric Adams in. It's being nice. Zeldin beat Hochulet. How are you an expert? He lost that district to Hochul by 6%. That was very close. Hey, 6% is not victory. Well, he admitted he was wrong already this morning. you got to move on. Only because I forced the issue. Well, yes, you did, yes. And, you know, other Republicans (laughs) have been parroting the same thing, and I have to straighten them out. I said, you guys give me credit for nothing. Whose other Republicans would it be? Oh, I don't know, Joe Borelli? Of course. You are Frank doesn't speak (laughs) unless Joe Borelli pulls his strings. I mean, Frank is a marionette, a puppet of Joe Borelli. These two guys... Guys, they never go into the other boroughs. When's the last time Frank's been in another borough? Mm. He went to Michael's in Brooklyn a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, wow, boy. You're <laughs> going to do a lot of politicking there at Michael's, right? <laughs> Give me a break. And, by the way, from now on, you're going to listen to me when it comes to Brooklyn races. I told you early on, Ari Kagan is going to crush the yes, competition. You, yes. you first lined up with the guy Frank recommended to you, right? My, no, no, it wasn't Frank. It was um, uh, Lauren Conley. Oh, same thing. Mike Ragusa. Same thing. Yeah. Lauren Conley and Frank Morata, <laughs> yeah. like two, two peas in a pot. Okay. He couldn't even get the signatures. I told you that. Yes. Then all of a sudden, Anna, Doofus, Delphor, whatever. <laughs> Fine. She got crushed. But you also told me that George. George Havernack was going to be Christy Mamamato, yeah, and now, probably not. No, no, hold on. It's, it's neck and neck. He's going to lose. And look, Samantha, your candidate, got 8%. Do you really think, as much as Samantha and Havernack people hate Mike Rendino and his sister, that Samantha's people went in and put her name as the second choice? No, that's why I really believe here that George, your guy, all kidding aside, I still think he's going to lose. But I think he's got a shot here because they got to be voting against Rendino with these uh, votes that are still out there, which does aid your candidate. Well, yes? this is the problem. Rendino controls the Board of Election in the Bronx. You know who the, the chairman of the Board of Elections is in the Bronx? His sister's husband. Oh, my God. That's right. He put his sister's husband in charge, the same woman running against George Havernack and was running against Samantha, your candidate. The guy who makes the decisions at the Board of Elections. It's Christie's husband. So how would this guy, George, have a, really have a chance at all from the beginning? I ask you, right, is this a corrupt system or what? Oh, my God. Nepotism is... extraordinaire. That one's huge. Hey, Rudy, get ready. Another <laughs> press conference here. 
We're not talking about Smartmatic. We're not talking about any machines. We're talking about the fact that Mike Rendino, the county chairman, <laughs> runs his sister, and her husband happens to be in charge of the Bronx Board of Elections. And you don't think there might be any corruption there <laughs> as they count the absentee ballots? Oh, this one is for George. I can't pronounce her last name. Give it to Chrissy. Oh, this one is for Samantha. Give it to Chrissy. Come on, Sid. That's why the Republicans never win in the Bronx. Because when Dino runs to lose. Well, guess what? I'm out there for having that. And he's on an independent line. Don't go to sleep. On George Havernick, and please, cops, active, retired, storm the Bastille. We cannot have Buffy as the next police commissioner. Jessica Tish passed the gray poupon. Jeeves, can you get that piece of litter, please? You know I'm the sanitation commissioner. All I want you to do is compost, compost. But Jessica, there's garbage all over the place there. It's rats running around. No, composting is the cure. And by the way, Ray Kelly, I will be a better police commissioner than you. Jessica Tish, over my dead body. We will not allow the men and women in blue to have to dance to your tune. Is Sid and friends in the morning? But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you my best friend. Seventy-seven WABC. Boy. Winds of change. Corky Park, Gordon Chang will join us next after a great run between Frank Morano and Curtis Sliwa. A lot more still to come. My mom is stopping by. 
You miss Naomi, you got her. She'll be here. Nuggets with Noam Peter King. And a full hour coming up at 9 o'clock with uh, the lovely Carrie Lake. Looks as though, as if we haven't covered enough, another story here. Congestion pricing receives the final approval. We talked about this yesterday. 60th down to the Brooklyn Bridge. Going to make life very difficult for folks like, I don't know, me, Lewis, folks who don't live in Manhattan but work in Manhattan and have to travel here. What is uh, the latest with that, Noam Layden? What do you got? Are you there, Noam? He's, All got, right. he's got something playing. Yeah, stop this. playing it. Okay. Are you there, Noam? Now I'm here. Sorry All about right. that. Yeah. The... um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm pulling audio all morning. So I know. I, I told you that you were coming on you this did. segment. You warned though, me, so. and I didn't. Where know do you think you. we got the Scorpion song from? <laughs> yeah. the whole so give me this quick before uh, Gordon hangs up. Yeah. So the um, the feds uh, gave the green light. Federal Highway Administration gave the green light for New York to institute um, congestion pricing, and so they can do it. They're going to start setting up the infrastructure over the next couple months. The aim is to start charging people next spring. They're going to have public hearings with the MTA to decide who Jeez. gets charged and how much gets charged. So that $23 number has been thrown around, but um, we don't know if that's going to be the final number. But uh, New Jersey's trying to block it. The Hudson Valley's trying to block it. But it's not clear they'll be able to do that. All right, very good. Thank you for that, Noam. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Trump did too little about the rest of the Chinese threat. He did not put us on a stronger military foothold in Asia. He did not stop the flow of American technology and investment into the Chinese military. He did not effectively rally our allies against the Chinese threat. He also showed moral weakness. In his zeal to befriend President Xi, Trump congratulated the Communist Party on its 70th anniversary of conquering China. That sent a wrong message to the world. In my oh, shut up. God, that's Nikki Haley. I'm sorry to my friend in South Carolina, Nancy Mace. I like Nikki Haley, I do. She is running for president. And, of course, if you run for president these days, you have to take shots at Trump because... He kicking all your asses. I mean, he kicking your ass. Larry Elder was in here yesterday. He's running, too, out of the great state of California. He was much more measured in his Trump criticism. In fact, he would criticize Trump and then compliment Trump. But uh, Nikki Haley getting tough on China yesterday. As if she was in charge, things would be better. I don't buy it, but maybe... Maybe I'm not uh, giving her enough of a chance. So we've had a great show already today. Frank Morano breaking down all these city council races. Yousef Salam wins in Harlem. Time to leave New York, folks. Trust me. Time to go. Then we had Curtis Sliwa talking about this. More than a rumor. It's more than a rumor. I know folks here get angry, but I'm sorry. It's out there. Jessica Tisch as the next New York police commissioner. And now we are going to talk to the man himself. Follow him on Twitter. I tweeted him out this morning, Gordon G. Chang. If you're talking about China or Russia, North Korea or Africa, it doesn't matter. Nobody better. Here's my friend Gordon Chang. Happy Wednesday morning. Gordon, how are you? I'm fine, Sid, and happy Wednesday to you as well. You too. So what do you think? I just played that cut yesterday from Nikki Haley, very, very critical of the way Trump dealt with China. What's funny is you and I say all the time what a great job Donald Trump did, whether it was China 
Russia, Korea, any one of these countries, clearly he did a very good job because there were no wars going on when he was in office. Nikki Haley seems to differ. Your thoughts on what she said? Well, President Trump did something which was historic, which was to ditch the engagement policy and start a much more skeptical posture towards China. And he took some important steps, um, no doubt about it. What Nikki Haley was saying was he didn't go all the way. And, of course, that's true, um, because that not would have been that would not have been politically acceptable at that time. Um, but, yeah, what Nikki Haley said was technically true. It just needs a lot of context. I think that President Trump did a great job on China. We need to do more. Uh, the times have changed now in the Biden administration, and Biden is doing less than what uh, Trump was doing. So clearly we're at a time of danger because the Chinese are pressing us extremely hard. And right now the administration is not defending our country. Well, we'll get back to China in a moment. Let's get back to the big news on Saturday that uh, I hate to call them a ragtag group. They are 25,000 large, but basically compared to Putin's army, that's exactly what they were. So when I heard the initial reports on Saturday that the Wagner mercenaries were about to overthrow Putin, I got to tell you, Gordon, I'm not as smart as you. I laughed. I told my wife, I go, this is ridiculous. He's going to call them, tell them I'm going to kill you. They're going to turn around. And that's exactly what happened. So people are going Putin looks weak. Well, you need to explain to me. They were making their way towards Moscow. Putin called them, got a message to them, and said, listen, I'm going to kill you and all your families. And scared to death, these people turned around. How does that make Putin look weak? Well, I think the the problem was that Wagner um, took um, Rostov on Don, which is a critical for the Ukraine war, with almost no shots fired, or maybe even no shots. And that showed that the Russian military was ambivalent. The problem for Putin is that in Moscow, people were sitting on their hands. And um, I, I agree with you. Prigozhin didn't have the military force necessary to take the Russian capital. But um, clearly he showed the divisions in the Russian regime. And I think Putin does look weak right now. Um, The problem for Russia going forward is can Putin actually reconstitute uh, the government? I think that he can. Uh, I'm not a Russian expert, but it seems that Putin is making moves in that regard. But clearly, um, this was not a good episode for the the Russian president. I don't see why. Again, you know, they... They, they messed with him, and he punched him in the face. And he'll still kill these people, too, on top of it. And i got to tell you something. He has been leading that country since, what, 98, 99, 24 years? He's going to win again. Right. I, I don't understand. I know Bill O'Reilly says the same thing. He looks weak. I understand we thought this was going to be a three-day war, and he's getting his ass kicked. I get all that. So it has not been a, a successful war for Putin, but if he remains in power going on 25 years, the Wagner group turns around, no one's killed him yet. How bad really is it for Vladimir Putin? Well, you know, if you go back to Gorbachev, um, Gorbachev was able to defeat a coup, but eventually he was himself forced from power as the Soviet Union fell. And that, I think, is something that Putin watchers are looking at because they realize that the regime itself has been shaken. And, um, you know, when you have, you know, a guy who was able to reach within 124 miles of the Russian capital, 
um, and was able to take down a good portion of the Russian air forces that were sent against him. This really is something that is going to reverberate for quite some time. I don't know if Putin ultimately survives this. Um, this, of course, is a month-by-month thing. But you got to look at the example of Gorbachev. Um, one coup attempt, unsuccessful, eventually led to the failure of the Soviet Union. The uh, BBC is reporting Russia executed 77 civilians detained by its forces over the last couple of days. So uh, not pretty, but that's what's going on there. Now, I'm also reading, and you know this well, Gordon, that China has been very, very quiet about this quote-unquote mutiny that we saw over the weekend. A, do you believe that's true? I guess it is true. And secondly, why would that be the case? Uh, China being quiet about what happened in Moscow? Yes, and uh, specifically the Wagner Group making their way towards Putin. Yeah, I think it is because um, China didn't know what to say. Um, I think they were taken by surprise. And so uh, Chinese state and party media were just repeating what Russia was saying, a real indication that the Chinese leaders were taken aback and just were bewildered along with everybody else. You know, Xi Jinping has a lot invested in Putin. Uh, And so um, you'd expect a little bit more robust response on the part of Beijing. But I think right now in Beijing, they're a little bit disheartened. You know, before the weekend, China and Russia, they looked uh, invincible. Uh, Now they they don't look so strong, which is a good thing, which means Taiwan, at least for the next few weeks or so, is a little bit safer. Okay, good. That's good because, uh, again, just at the risk of repetition, but – If, in fact, China decides one morning, we're going in, that's it, we're going into Taiwan, is that the start of World War III? Because Joe Biden, I I know that we're supposed to protect the Taiwanese, I get it, but usually the president doesn't say that. Biden has said it more than once. So if China goes into Taiwan, is that the official start of World War III? Uh, Yes, it would be, because while we've got the war in Eastern Europe, we have what looks like a war in North Africa. Those Russia and China are fueling insurgencies that look like wars. So you got war in Africa, you got war in Europe, you have war in Asia. That pretty much looks like global conflict to me. Um, so this this is this is critical that we maintain the peace in in Asia. Biden's not doing a terribly good job of it right now. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked of uh, Colonel Jack Jacobs on Monday, and that is, you know, during this whole thing on Saturday with. Uh, the group, the Wagner group, making their way towards Moscow. A lot of the folks I watched on television brought up the, not the probability, but the possibility that if Putin feels like he's, you know, kind of in a wall, in a space, in a room and can't get out, that he's crazy enough, and I'm not sure this is true, in fact, I don't think it is, but he's crazy enough to start using some of his nuclear weaponry. And Donald Trump says all the time that we are edging closer and closer to World War III, and if we get there, it ain't World War I and World War II. It ain't tanks and guns. It's nuclear. Do you think at any point this weekend, I know you're not in his head, but if you had to predict, do you think at any point this weekend that Putin started to even consider using some of that? Uh, yes, I do. You and do. I think Trump is right about that. Um, and the point is the United States doesn't have an effective nuclear deterrent to the use of tactical nukes by Putin. Trump authorized the um, development of cruise missiles with nuclear weapons at the tip. Uh, and that's exactly what we need. Biden's canceled that. 
Um, so yeah, I think what, what was it? What was what was Biden's what was Biden's rationale on canceling that? Um, well, the world doesn't need nuclear weapons. You know, <laughs> it's it, it just it's fantasy in in the Biden administration. They were going to actually withdraw the U.S. nuclear umbrella over our allies. That would have meant the end of our alliance system. The people who are running nuclear policy in the Biden administration, I, I think, live in this world of Aquarius. <laughs> now, fortunately, when they issued their uh, nuclear weapons strategy, they kept America's uh, long existing decades old nuke policy. But it was a close thing. You know, when you when you believe in Aquarius um, and when all that happens, kumbaya, you end up uh, basically usher, ushering in war because our opponents, our enemies, see that the administration is just out of touch with reality. You know, Biden went out of his way to tell everybody, tell the world that the West, us, of course, we had nothing to do with this Wagner group making its way towards Moscow. And we certainly did not fund these people, no money, no weapons. I mean, he really went out of his way to make sure that Putin and the world knew it. What do you think his motivation was to do that? Well, he doesn't want Putin to hold us up as an enemy uh, and uh, something that he can rally the Russian people with. Um, whether, you know, President Biden was telling the truth, I sort of assume he was because I don't think that we were. But who knows? You know, only history is going to tell about whether we had any hand in this. But, you know, we weren't a factor, even if we did have some sort of involvement. So I, I believe President Biden when he says that this wasn't us. A lot of folks believe that President Biden's really irresponsible and deadly withdrawal of Afghanistan, leading to 13 of our brave men and women getting slaughtered by al-Qaeda and ISIS. That was the motivation for Putin to start the war against Ukraine. I don't believe that. I believe it was going in no matter what. It was a matter of when, if not if. But let's say that was it. That was the day he said, okay, we're going to do it. Uh, now the thought is if Biden gets reelected, then China will then go into Taiwan. Right now, with the possibility of Trump coming back, they don't want to deal with that. Any truth to that? Yeah, I, I don't think the Chinese or the Russians or anybody else, for that matter, wants to take on Trump. Um, and the reason is Trump is strong, but also because Trump is unpredictable. And these guys in Moscow and Beijing can deal with almost anything but unpredictability. I mean, there was peace during the Trump four years. But, you know, Sid, I actually do believe uh, Trump when he says, look, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was catastrophic, did lead to the war in Ukraine. Putin has all along wanted to invade Ukraine, but he didn't right. do it during the Trump years because Trump was Trump. Because he was scared and of him. America was America. Because he was scared of him, because Trump is unpredictable, because Trump tells the leader of, of Al Qaeda, he points out on a map, I know you're wiping kids, but I have no problem blowing them up. That's why he knew once Biden won that Biden is feckless. I hate to use this word, Gordon, you're a classy guy, but he's a pussy. And he knew right then and there he was going in. Let's be honest. Well, he was going to go in when he thought he had the opportunity. He had no opportunities during the four years when President Trump Correct. was in the Oval. 
Right. Um, you know, he saw Biden, he saw a moment of weakness, and he went for it. That's the only and point I want to make here. It's not that I don't believe Afghanistan may have been the day he decided, but the true point is he went in because it was Biden, not Trump. Forget about Afghanistan. It was Biden, not Trump. That's why that war started. That's why wars are starting all over the world. I mean, you go back to our Secretary of State. He's not that far removed, Anthony Blinken, from going to China. What's happened since? Yeah, it's, it's been one disaster in the world after another. This reminds or should remind the American people that they're really, yeah, there's peace, but only because there's strength, because America is strong and willing to use its power. And that at any time, the evil forces in the world, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, these guys will move and we need to be eternally vigilant. That's not a message the American people want to hear, but unfortunately it's true. And we are now sitting on the edge of one of the disasters in history, and I hope that Biden can prevent it. But Biden is opening the door to Chinese aggression. As you point out, that's World War III. This is a world we're not going to want to live in, but we've got to face it. This is the world that is, as Henry Kissinger said, Mm. probable. June 7th, he told Bloomberg, war with China is probable, quote-unquote. You know, there's really uh, two things that can happen which scares the hell out of me and should scare the American people uh, in terms of World War Three. One is we just discussed it, if China invades Taiwan, and then going back to Putin and his insanity, talking about nuclear weapons, if he just goes nuts and decides to attack one of these NATO countries, Poland, I don't know, that's another opportunity for the start of World War Three. Yeah, I don't think that he would go after NATO right now, but he can certainly use his tactical nuclear weapons against Ukraine. Um, And if he did that, he could win the war in about 24 hours because he could obliterate every Ukrainian city. And the Russian army, although depleted without Wagner, could just walk into Ukraine because it would be a radioactive slab. So clearly the Russians can do this. Putin has said He's trans. Putin has said he's transferred nukes to Belarus. Um, you know, there are all these rumors about what uh, Putin has authorized with regard to the use of his weapons in um, Ukraine. This doesn't look good, Sid. Mm. Gordon, you're the best. You really are. I, I compel folks to follow my friend Gordon Chang on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. And while you do a lot of work, Fox News and all these other TV networks, I think your best work is right here, my man. And on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. Once again, thank you so much. Great appearance. Oh, thank you so much, Sid. I really appreciate it. You got it, pal. There he is, Gordon Chang. That wraps up two hours of really terrific radio between Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, and Gordon Chang. Still to come. <laughs> you wanted her? You got her. My mother, Naomi, she's coming up. Noam Layton with some nuggets. The great Congressman Peter King for his Wednesday visit. And a full hour with one of the most impressive ladies in the United States. She just lost her race for governor of Arizona, although she felt she got jobbed. What's next for Carrie Lake? We'll find out. She's in studio for the entire 9 o'clock hour. Second half of your favorite talk show in New York. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, about to come your way exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. If, if, if you had a gun and one of these people showed up, you, what, what did you say, Mom? What would happen? I'd blow him right away. Sidney Ferris, I'm telling you, I would not even think I would stop for a moment. I'd blow him right away. Well, yeah, those migrants, they don't want to go to Kanyanga Lake. I almost feel like we have to read a disclaimer before my mom comes on. Just uh, one of those things where it goes, even though I do agree with lots of the things she says, I'd have to say I don't. Because she says what we all really wanted to say and believe, but she just doesn't care, you know. So we're just talking about, before I get to my mother, we got to leave New York. It's over. It's done. The governor is a, is a loser. She's a witch. You got this uh, D.A., Alvin Bragg, he's a racist and a fat loser. Now you got Youssef Salam, at the very least a predator in the park, in Central Park. He wins by a wide margin. Not to say the mayor, he's no prize himself. Audie Idala checks in, the great attorney. In fact, my other good friend, Thomas Kniff, is uh, on the way to court. His client, Daniel Penny, being arraigned this morning in that ridiculous Jordan Neely case. Audie says, I'll move to Palermo, Italy. Can't move to Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, St. Louis, or Detroit. They're all worse than us. They're not worse, but uh, they're in the same level. And my wife checks in, Danielle, the lovely Danielle, and she says, we're going to New Zealand. And it's funny she would say that because during the conversation with Gordon Chang, Justin Ellick dropped this piece of news in front of me, and it reads from Reuters, China signs pacts with friend and partner New Zealand. <laughs> so maybe New Zealand is out, too. Anyway, as promised, here she is. I love her so much. My mom. Oh, mom, are you still mad about the Sports Illustrated bit? Did you get over that? Or people are very angry with me over that. Oh, I wasn't mad. Of no. course I not. Mean, that's, come Stupid. on, give me a break. You ought to see my mom. There's people so on, people, people, people on Twitter are like, you're horrible, you're a scum, you're this, you're... It's like, hey, stupid. Oh, it's shut a up. Bit. Thank you. Shut up. Idiots. Oh, my good you Lord. You can't make it up, God. I know. Oh, God. Yeah. You can't make it up. The no. world is coming to an end. This for God-forsaken city that that that's called New York City is a horror show. Listen, you may like this mayor, but you know what? Uh, He's a dirt bag. Uh, listen, I, 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 I have not. I, I, I have pulled back. I have not. I'm angry with him. First of all, he has not returned I any mean, of my texts. The text. kind of things that he wants to do. I mean, give this guy a give him out, give him up. Will you let him move to New Zealand like you just <laughs> mentioned? Yeah. Let yeah. him go where yeah. he has to go. You don't like it. He want. wants. He wants little kids. To do breathing exercises in uh, in school. You're not a big fan of that, Maya? Breathing exercise. No. Could you imagine such <laughs> a thing? Show them nude pictures of men and women having sex, but give them breathing problems. <laughs> Is he burnt? Is he on this planet, no. or did he leave the planet? I think he left well, the Well, what do you think about these rumors that, uh, again, it's just a rumor, hasn't happened yet, but don't get mad at Curtis because Brian Kilmeade told us about this. That uh, the sanitation department head, Jessica Tish, she's been on with me, Mom. You've heard her. She's a very nice girl. But he's actually considering making her the police commissioner. Has he completely lost his mind? Yes, he has. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh. He didn't have it to begin with. I don't think he had a mind to begin with. 
But whatever was there is totally lost. <laughs> Jessica Tish? I mean, is he for real, this guy? What? What is in his brain? What is in his mind, if anything? Now they want to get rid of pizza ovens. What the hell next? They want to get rid of stoves, no more gas stoves, no more this. No. Now they want to get rid of pizza ovens. What? It, the world is coming to an end. The city is a, is a disaster. The rats are running New York City. And he's worried about getting rid of pizza ovens. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can't make this stuff no, up. I know. I mean, I know, yeah. you just you can't make this. Stuff but up. but I got to talk to you about one uh, moving away from the city, and uh, yes. no, we can stay in the city because it happened here in Tompkins Square Park last Friday night, and then it happened yes. again during that Pride Parade on Sunday. These uh, drag queens, these people, good or bad, they don't belong anywhere near our kids. I don't want to hear it. Be quiet. Uh, yelling and screaming, the bad ones, I get it, but yelling and screaming, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your kids. How does Naomi Rosenberg feel about that? Could you imagine such a thing, that this is allowed to go on in the, one of the biggest cities in the nation, that this is allowed, that people are allowed to make these kind of assertions and make these kind of pleas to let little children view this? I mean, take our little children and subject them to these degenerate animals. <laughs> I don't care what you want to call them. They're degenerate. They're animals. They're disgusting. They belong in the White House with the creature. That's where they belong because they're no better than him. Let me tell you that. Talking about him, what is he thinking about our country? What is he thinking about? What else does he want to give China? What else does he want to give China besides giving away our country to them? He took away everything we had. Now he wants to give them everything completely. I mean, you, you just it, you could go on and on. This FBI and this DOJ, they're the worst. They're the worst bags in the creation. They are corrupt. They're evil. They're out to get Trump in the worst way. He has, I mean... I don't see enough of him, though, Sydney. What? Where is he? What is going on with him? I don't see enough of him. My whole front window, my whole front of my house is full of him. But I don't see physically enough of him. I don't hear enough about him. I don't know what he's doing, but he's got to be out there more. He's got to be out there kicking and scratching and fighting. No, he was out yesterday. He was actually campaigning at a great campaign day in New Hampshire. Thousands of uh, people showed up yelling and screaming how much they love him. That's always the case with Donald Trump. So he's out there working very, very hard. But again, Ma, you just talked about it. This degenerate president has had him arrested twice. I mean, the first time was Alvin Bragg in the city. So uh, most recently, Biden's DOJ had him arrested. So he's got to deal with all this nonsense every day on top of trying to win again. And this creature, this creature Biden in the White House, this creature, he has his son going to his lavish dinner. His son going to this lavish dinner? Are you kidding me? Where the hell does he belong there? Where does he belong going to a state dinner, this lavish dinner? Only because his daddy is president. So now he could collect all these billions of dollars. Now he could go to this fancy state dinner, you know, like this daddy is. This, that's his little boy. His little boy, that degenerate what he is, a low life of the worst order of the worst. I mean, I, I don't know where to begin. They talk about this Jeffrey Epstein sleeping with little girls, with little uh, underage girls. This is what they're worried about. 
forget him. He's dead. Let him be dead. Who cares about him, how he died, whether he committed suicide or he was murdered? Who cares about him, that degenerate, what he was doing to little girls? This is what's on these people's minds. I mean, where do you begin in this whole whole scenario of what's going on in this world, in this country? I don't Now, the next Well, hold on one second, Mom. i got to stop you for one second because Tim McCarthy, who's a radio genius, he used to be the program director here, and he's the guy that started ESPN in New York. Just texted me. He said, your mom's segment is great. You should brand it and make it a feature. Deep thoughts with Mama Rosenberg with musical intro and let, let your mother go up. So uh, Tim McCarthy, amongst uh, millions, enjoying this conversation. Didn't mean to cut you off there, Mom, but, you know, you talk about them talking about Jeffrey Epstein. You know that they were about to uh, b- you know, bang out Hunter Biden last week, right, and uh, and uh, Arraign and all that stuff. And so they made this submarine story with these rich people, these morons, who really knew better than to go under the water. So, yes, they died. It was tragic. But they really caused their own death. They were stupid. And they killed a 19-year-old kid along the way. And the we news media, the, hold on, the news media, the news media knew last Sunday that they were already dead. And they spent four or five days talking about a search. You know why? Because they don't want to talk about Hunter Biden. How about that, Mom? Yeah, how about that? And one other thing about this young boy, this 19-year-old, he wasn't supposed to go. He said he was scared. He didn't want to go. That's right. This, this, the, his mother was supposed to go. The wife of this guy was supposed to go. But at the last minute, she decided, well, he'll, she'll let her son go. This 19-year-old kid, he was scared to death. Now, getting back to the creature... He takes this. I mean, he takes his little boy to dinner to this to this state dinner. Where does he belong there? Where does this bum, this animal, where does he belong there at this dinner? Who who gives him the right to be there? I mean, you, you, again, I mean, I, I can't understand some of these things I hear. I cannot understand some of these things I hear. But you know what? His father. Is the president, so he could do whatever yeah. he wants. I know. Whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Now they take on this next this next scenario. The next the next thing they talk about. There was only one president in the history that we know about that didn't have slaves, including the bum, including two term bum Obama. He also I mean, not his father, of course, but his white, his white supremacist family. They had slaves, every single president. And they named and they went on and on to discuss this. Listen, I wasn't there. I don't I can't vouch for anything. But what I hear on the news, it turns my stomach. One president in the history that we know about. And guess who that was? I know, you know, that it was. Donald J. Trump. He was the only man. Because you know why? Because <laughs> he wasn't yeah. a politician. Yeah. You're insane. He was a businessman. I mean, yeah. You've lost your mind, Mom. Yeah. You're completely I mean, insane with Donald Trump, no? I mean. I mean, but it's a fact of life. Well, it's not it's a, a fact. fact. It's a Fox News fact, Mom. It it's a Fox News fact. It's not well, a fact. No, that's not a fake news. It's a facts news. That's yeah. what it is. Well, I can tell you this. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can tell you, Mom, that when he was president... Blacks, Larry Elder got mad when I said African-American yesterday, so does Morgan Freeman. Blacks did the best they ever did they, the, 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 in terms of job uh, 
job percentages, the money they were making. That group did particularly well, as did everybody else. That's all the proof that I need. So, yes. And one other thing I have to interrupt because you hear all about what all these other presidents or all these people, nobody gave to black colleges as much as Trump That's correct, yes. Even Obama. He was the only one. That's right, yes. He was the only one. What happened happened to Obama, the bum? Oh, he's the worst. Give me a second. What did he give? He gave nothing. This country, this country, my fellow part. Yeah. He gave speeches. Right. That's what he did. He did nothing. nothing. He put us in hell also. But but Donald J. Trump, he gave to the black colleges. All right. Time. All right. Thank you. Uh, yes. Obama, in fact, we had a worse race division under him. Ferguson, Missouri, Freddie Gray in Baltimore. BLM was born under Barack Obama. Uh, the economy was a joke. Our foreign policy was the worst ever. People were dying. Terrorist attacks every day. Uh, for as eloquent as he is, and he's very elegant, he was the worst president in quite some time. But you can't say that if you're white unless you're me because no one's going to cancel me. All right, now listen, on the way out, July 4th is coming up on Tuesday. I've already got messages from a ton of people, a ton, that love you and love this segment today. As the great American you are, and no bigger fan of this country and Donald J. Trump mom than you, I want you to tell your listeners what they should be doing coming up on Tuesday, and what you'll be doing to celebrate the history of our once great country. First of all, they should everybody should get down on their hands and knees and pray for all our men and women in blue and in the military. That's the first thing we all have to do. Okay. Dear Lord, dear God, please keep our our men and women in the military safe. That's the first thing. The next thing, make sure I have two flags hanging now, Sidney Ferris. Not one. I have two American flags flying in front of our house with my big posters about our Donald J. Trump. I have two of them now. I want everybody to pray for all Americans, all of us, all Americans, all the military, all the men in blue, all the fire department, everybody, pray for all of them. Pray for all of us. Keep our country safe. Get this creature out of the White House. Bring back our savior, our wonderful man, Donald J. Trump. I beg everybody, please go and vote. I'm begging Americans, go and vote for Trump. Go vote Trump. Go vote Trump. Please, everybody. Get our country back. Take America back to where we were when Donald, President Donald J. Trump was in office. Please take us back to where we were. Right now, we're heading for a disaster with the creature in the White House. Bring back our President Trump. I'm begging everybody and pray again. I reiterate and repeat, pray for our men and women in the military and all our other avenues, firemen, policemen, all the people who worked hard, are working hard for all of our sick people who really were put in a terrible position. Mono is great. Cindy Ferris, I hope that everybody in America hears me and goes out, vote, vote, vote. All right. That's what you have to do. Okay. And I pray again for all of us. Well, Charlie Marino uh, loves you, too, and he's a big deal in uh, Howard Beach. And I love you, Mom. You were great. You were terrific. And 
Uh, people love when you come on, nobody more than me. I love it because you do voice what the people want to say and want to hear. Sometimes it sounds and a little rough. Nobody will say right. it or hear it except your big mouth mother. Well, that's okay. You're beautiful. You're great. And uh, you're my mommy, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. And thank you for coming on today. I'm not going to see you this weekend because they're going to finally put my kitchen in, but we'll all see yeah, you in two weeks. No problem. How about no, Gaby? No. How, about, how about your grandson playing a basketball game last night, Mom? Oh, my. I mean, how about that? Was he so wonderful? Tell wonderful. Tell me a little bit about that before we go. I know you have to go. Uh, he was was wonderful. It It was his first game. He played a lot. He played a lot. Uh, the coach, Brian Flip Mullen, I love him. He started Gabriel, gave him a ton of minutes. He has another game tonight, so he got that first one. He was nervous, uh, under his belt, but to see my son and Danielle's son out there after what the doctor told us when he was a little, little baby, just uh, had me in tears last night. I'm so proud of him. I love him. I love you. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. All right. All right, I gotta go. All right. All right. I it love you. Life is hope. I love you, my son. Love to my Danielle and my children. Love you. God watch you. Love Be you, safe. too. Goodbye. All right, Mom. <laughs> Goodbye to you. There she is. Another spectacular appearance. Seriously. Like, if you're Peter King, I wouldn't even come on. No. Maybe even Carrie Lake should head back to Arizona now. She could like start like a movement. Oh, she's got a movement going already. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm talking like like big, like a <laughs> yeah. big, like hundred thousand, like yeah. hundreds and thousands of people. Let me tell you something. What she said about the drag queens, my whole audience feels the same way. Oh, yeah. But only a crazy person like her or her son would say it. Nice job, mom. We got. Um, I guess we'll come back and then we'll do the tunnel to towers, and then we'll bring on Peter King and Carrie Lake. And no, oh, we got a lot of good stuff coming your way. Keep it right here. Thank you, Naomi Rosenberg. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Tomorrow, that's a very popular segment. He's really terrific. He really is. Gnome, Gnome's Nuggets. 
but we're out of time this morning. They only went a bit late, and it's been a terrific show already with Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, Gordon Chang, and Naomi Rosenberg. And now we've got two big, big-time guests about to come your way. His weekly Wednesday spot, Congressman Peter King, and then a full hour with Carrie Lake, most recently lost the gubernatorial in Arizona, although she got jobbed. We know that. She's got a new book out, Unafraid. And she's going to be with uh, President Trump tomorrow night, which I was supposed to be there, too. But for the second time in uh, two weeks, I got to turn down the president. The first time, I took Gabriel to a Met-Yankee game. And tomorrow night, I've got my red carpet premiere for Gravesend, which I'm really excited about. We'll have many of those cast members in the next two days. I play Dave Busco, and I'm pumped. So I can't make it to Bedminster tomorrow. I really do want to go. I'm dying to see Trump. And spent some time there, but I also don't want to go. There's like a thousand people there. So I've asked Sergio Gore, who's on his way here as well, Mr. Winning Team Publishing, to set something more intimate up. And he said he would. We'll find out. Sergio will be with Carrie coming up momentarily. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Unsealed today, once again, my dear friend, Thomas Kniff, who if New Yorkers had any brains, they would have voted him in instead of that fat loser, D.A. Alvin Bragg. Don't forget, Kniff lost to Bragg. Kniff is Penny's attorney, him and Steve Razor. Kniff will join me tomorrow, but they will unseal that indictment today. So uh, Kniff, Razor, and Penny on their way to court. And then we'll get uh, Jason Goldman back, too. He's representing Jordan Williams who uh, very similarly killed somebody on the train. Difference is, for starters, the uh, attacker went after Jordan and his girlfriend. Secondly, Jordan had a weapon. Penny didn't. But the biggest difference is Penny's white and Jordan's black. And as I said with Brian Kamid on Fox News on Saturday night, and I'll yell it till you all hear it, especially in this city, New York, L.A., and other big blue cities, if you're black... You do what you want and get away with it. If you're white, they treat you like Daniel Penny. And um, it ain't right. So, uh, with that said, my next guest, I say it all the time, along with Rudy Giuliani, the two best local politicians in my lifetime. Spent the better part of four decades as a great congressman out on Long Island, Homeland Security. He's done it all. Now he's a star at WABC and a legitimate friend of the Rosenberg family. 
my buddy Peter King. Pete, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. And congratulations on Gabe. That must have been a great feeling for you last night. So you and Danielle must be on cloud nine. We really are. And uh, you know, of course, your son, Sean, your daughter, Erin, and knowing, of course, Pete, what we went through with Gabriel as a baby and Danielle doing all the legwork, Miami Children's Hospital, and all the things they told us about him. I don't care, you know, if he, if he doesn't make a shot all year. The fact that he's out there starting on a basketball team, Pete, uh, like you said, we, we were on cloud nine and we'll be back on cloud nine later on tonight for his second game. That's great. Now, listen, the only negative thing I have to say about your family, why do you put me on after your mother? I mean, this is impossible. I mean, first of all, you know, for two weeks you bump me out from my spot. I mean, I just never did that to me. You do it. And then, you, then I'm back at 840. I feel great. And then your mother's on ahead of me. Who's listening to me now? Nobody cares. No, that's not true. You cannot. Now she warmed up the audience. Now they're pumped up. Oh, okay, okay, now, okay. She is, she is oh, yeah. something else. And. You know, listen, again, you know, like sometimes my own family members get mad. They get embarrassed. You shouldn't say that. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, there is this real fear that you can't say what you feel these days because you're going to get canceled. And I have to tell you, that's not really true. There's not a, a, a ton of talent out there that got canceled for what they said. Now, what they did, whole other story, you know, sexual stuff and all that. But the idea that if you're a Republican... You can't come out and call out people and even get nasty sometimes. That's not really necessarily true, is it, Peter King? No, it's not. I just wish you know, more people had guts. Like I wish there were more people in the Catholic Church that denounced that phony nun organization out in L.A. when the Dodgers honored them. I mean, that was such an insult to Catholics, and yet for the most part, Catholics were quiet. As O'Reilly was talking about the other day, you know, the drag queens, they march, they're you know, here, we're queer, and we're coming after your kids. Do you know any politician or anyone in public life who's really condemned that? People are afraid they're going to be called racist or anti-gay or whatever. Don't, I think too many people are intimidated, but if they sit up, they find out that yep. there's not that much to worry about. Just show some guts. Right. I mean, the, the, what they'll say is, well, they're not all bad people. So what? They're not bad people, but good or bad, they have no right being around kids. I mean, I'm sorry. That whole culture, that whole cult- culture is, is rough. And don't, whether they're good or bad, they should not be around kids, bottom line. You know, nobody used that excuse of one bad cop when, uh, you know, right. back in 2020. I mean, Christ, you have to, uh, you know, the cities in the country are burning because of one cop. And, you know, no one stood up and said, hey, it's only one cop. No, that show we were all systemic racists because of one cop with George Floyd. So, no, there's, there's a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of uh, cowardice in the country. Now, your mother may carry it a bit too far. But that's another, also it explains where you came from. Sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say calling Adams a dirtbag and encouraging people to shoot the president, that is a bit much. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's a crime. <laughs> but listen, she feels very strongly. And the truth is, Peter, on a serious note, she's 88. It doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. on a very anecdotal note, I speak to a lot of people, and they're equally as pissed. And let's not forget, whether he won or lost, whatever you believe, 71 million people Voted for Donald Trump last time. 71 million. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of pissed off folks these days. Yeah, and he was able to bring that together in 2016. I, was, I, I agree. I mean, Donald Trump was saying things that people felt for many years, but they're afraid to say it. He said it. I give him credit for that. You know, uh, you and I just disagree on you know, whether or not he's still a winning candidate. But right. no, I... Listen, he was able to speak for the forgotten American, and I give him full credit for that. I want to go back to the, the Keyshawn Sewell thing. Uh, on the occasions that I met her, I loved her. You know that I, I talked about it on the air. I really loved her. Right. And uh, I believe she would have been really good 
if the mayor and banks and these people would have allowed her to do her job. But she's gone. She's on her way out. And you heard the rumor. Uh, Curtis brought it up yesterday. He heard it from Brian Kilmeade. He didn't make it up. Well, Greg Kelly, and we mentioned on the show this morning that maybe Jessica Tish, who's in charge of sanitation right now, never a cop. I know she worked at some clerical work, but never a cop. They're considering her as the commissioner. Uh, even if it doesn't happen, the fact she's even being considered, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first, let me say, I agree with what you said earlier on, that Pat Ryder would be a great choice to be NYPD commissioner. Ah, you were listening. No cool. About that. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, let me just say something about Jessica Tish. I'm not saying whether she's the perfect person to be commissioner. I worked with her for almost 10 years. She was at the highest levels of the police department. That was no clerical job. She was one of Ray Kelly's top assistants. She was one of the architects of the uh, 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 Amber Protection System in uh, Low Manhattan, nuclear detection, all of that. She was at the highest level. She was a deputy commissioner for technology. And almost every meeting I was at on counterterrorism with Ray Kelly, Jessica Tish was there. That's when I first met her. Was that right? And Bill Bratton came in, he kept her on, and he made her deputy commissioner. So now whether or not she's the perfect choice for commissioner, and the fact is that, as you say, you're going to have Adams and Banks looking over their shoulder. Sean, what she had going for her was being a career cop and a great cop, a real cop's cop. So she was able to get more of the support of the rank and file. I think it'd be hard to Jessica to get that because it's of the way she'd be coming in, knowing that Adams and Banks are out there. And I'm like you. I was hoping for Eric Adams to do better. He talks a good game at times, but really he's been so erratic and, yeah. and uh, yep. all over the place. I just hope that Jessica Tish, whatever happens, her reputation is in ruin because she is a class act. She really is. No, I like her. And, she, uh, she, she was yeah. on with me uh, on Woman's Day, and I loved her. I thought she was great. And you did a great job just now, Peter, pointing out stuff that Curtis didn't, which is uh, seemingly she did do some very important stuff with Kelly and Bratton. So uh, I'm not here to disparage Jessica Tish. I like her a lot. I think she's a very impressive young lady. I just thought no experience. Commissioner is a bit much, but at the very least, you pointed out some things that she he has done along the way. I do uh, I do appreciate that. But with Adams, I'm almost at the point, you know, we back and forth. We've had dinners. We've had lunches. We've talked. We've texted. He's been very nice. Uh, my son especially because Gabe has dyspraxia and Adams has dyslexia. And he's been uh, very human in my moments with Eric. But I'm almost at the point now where I almost hope he doesn't text me back because I'd rather criticize him. I, I used to feel badly when I criticized him because we were becoming friends. But he would still do stupid things. Now I almost hope he doesn't get back to me, Peter, because, to be honest, he is not doing a heck of a lot better than Bill. He's better. He's better. But not a heck of a lot better. Yeah, I think uh, de Blasio was almost intentionally undermining the cops. Not that he was even a bad guy. This, that was his belief. He uh, he was raised, I think, on the belief the cops and military are bad people, and that, that guided him. Adams likes cops, but, again, he's so erratic and all over the place. He's got to start focusing and stop talking about breathing and talking about, you know, <laughs> just bringing out of foods he's eating, you know, hanging out at bars until 3 o'clock in the morning. All that's fun. I'm not judging on that. I'm just saying you got to show consistency. You know, I, I was in an event the other day out, out in the uh, – Nassau County, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, was in, Anthony D'Esposito, and people were there, and they were gathering, and there was usual political talk. The one thing that D'Esposito got them going on and McCarthy was talking about cops and crime. Now, this is in the suburbs. Crime, because of Pat Ryder and others, hasn't really hit us hard in Nassau County, but that was the issue that day among those people. They are concerned and petrified because many of them work in the city. They see what's going on. They see what goes on in the subways. They see what goes on in the streets. They know what it's, what it's like to get off at Penn Station and have to cross town. And you're walking through every drug addict and homeless person. So that's the real issue. And Eric Adams, if he could just be firm and consistent on crime and get out there and not have banks and others 
trying to overrule the commissioner. I mean, listen, I, I look forward to getting together with Keyshawn Sewell someday. And uh, even though she's not the uh, type you know, to tell what goes on, but she could, if she wanted to, she could probably write some book oh, yeah. about what went on behind the oh, scenes yeah. at yeah. Police Plaza and City Hall. Well, one of the things that disappointed me most with the mayor is uh, Daniel Penny's about to be arraigned. They're going to unseal oh, the boy. indictment. I know, and Knip is on the way to court. And, you know, initially, again, we've been over this a million times. Adams came out. He was, he was smart. He was measured. Let's see what happened here. Unlike Hochul, unlike that low-life Al Sharpton, he was measured. He was good. And then it took him a week or two before he started pulling the same nonsense you heard from every liberal politician. And, you know, it could have been my son. He's talking about black, 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 black. Shut up already, Eric, with that stuff. Nobody cares. And that's where he really, really disappointed me as Daniel Penny's on his way to court. How about Adams staying firm in that case? Because I got to tell you what, as a strong guy taking the train every day, something happens in front of me, Peter, I'm going to think twice. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was a real cave-in by Eric Adams on that. I mean, to, to Panda, and to be talking about somehow that became a racial issue, of course, ignoring the fact that the other guy who was holding him down was also a black guy. I mean, he had a black guy and Penny, and if Penny wanted to kill him, he could have done it in two seconds if he wanted to. Obviously, he was trying to restrain him. The guy wouldn't stop. And, uh, again, I, I think he was probably the most surprised guy when he actually did kill him. I mean, the fact is that uh, he was doing his best to calm the guy down, Keep under control until the cops got there. Afterwards, he actually helped uh, you know, the artificial, uh, artificial respiration yep. when, the, when the guy yep. was. So, I mean, this, this is a dedicated guy, a Marine, doing what he did. Now, the other case, I listen, all I know is you know, the guy who was stabbed on the subway, I think the guy did the right thing. But that was black on black. Can you imagine if that was a white guy? Who right, see, exactly. Black right. Adams, really, and Al Sharpton. I mean, he can give guys like Sharpton credibility and some of these phony lawyers and activists that come in. Now, that would have been a clear case for Eric Adams to stand up for what was right and throw race out the window. There's nothing to do with it. I mean, God, uh, first of all, the irony is the people who suffer the most from crime in, in New York is, 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 is the black community. Right. Uh, Not just New York. Of the victims of black uh, all over the country. Right. right. Chicago, L.A. Black. Right. They're all yeah. black. It's black on black. It ain't white on black. It ain't white supremacy. It's black on black. Uh, one more. I actually heard our friend, uh, your friend first, and you're the one who got me pumped up about it. You were right. D.A. Ann Donnelly, she was on the station on a news report yesterday talking about uh, a local crime in your county. Uh, crime. Uh, a guy went out, got drunk, and ended up killing two teenagers. And then you read, I guess, in the post that he was uh, having an affair, all kinds of nefarious stuff. And, of course, his family saying, no, he's a wonderful guy, great guy, had one bad night. But uh, two kids dead in a car wreck, another drunk driver. That's a bad story for Nassau County. Oh, it is. But thank God we do have the cops are able to do their job. Listen, the NYPD cops are great. They haven't been allowed to do their job. The Nassau cops are great. Pat Ryder's been a great commissioner. He knows what has to be done. Ann Donnelly is a phenomenal DA. She's tough. She's on the job. There's no BS with her at all. No, we're, we're blessed in Nassau County. We've got to keep it that way. We really don't. You know, Bruce Blakeman is doing a terrific job as county executive. And uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to, again, keeping that type of leadership in, in Nassau County because you have to have it. We are right on the edge of New York City. And you have that crossover crime we have to look out for. But also, New York is so important. That's because so many of our people work in New York. So many people want to go to New York, to, you know, to Broadway, to restaurants. And uh, probably the one place that nobody worries about is Bell Harbor. you got it <laughs> Damn right. 
You know, no, don't come to our neighborhood. You're there. You know that. That's right. They love <laughs> you. They, well. Oh, Sean loves you at Harbor Lights, Pete King. They love you. <laughs> uh, Harbor Lights, what a great place. Bernie Heron was the owner there. Yeah, yeah. A few years. That's a great, great place. And that's, ironically, is where that uh, plane came yeah, down. Remember yeah. that? Uh, right across the street two months after right 9-11. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know this story. Yeah. We, we were on the Intrepid that day, and, and I whispered in uh, Imus's ear. He was on the phone with Tom Ridge. How ironic is that? At the time, he ran Homeland Security, oh, yeah. and I said, You're another right. plane is down. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that was, no, but that is, uh, Harbor is a great place. It's just uh, great people. And down there, I mean, listen, you probably saw more American flags on one street yes. in Bell Harbor than you saw in all the west side of Manhattan your whole life. It's I mean, true. It's just, uh, yeah. Not even close. I mean, almost every house in Bell Harbor has at least one. Some have more than one. A lot of FDNY flags, too. Don't forget Timothy Klein. Oh, yeah. On 137th, he died last year, and it's a wonderful place to live, and you are a wonderful guy. Kevin Breslin says hello. Oh, Kevin Breslin's great. Kevin, his brother James, his father Jimmy, their father Jimmy was a, a good friend of mine sometimes. Other times he'd be fighting with me, but he's <laughs> a legend in New York, and those guys idolize their father. Jimmy was part of New York. They are carrying forth that tradition. They're great people. Anytime the presidents are on your side, you're in good shape. Don't get the mad at you, kid. They're great guys. I agree. And uh, Jimmy Breslin was a legend, and Pete King, so are you. Thank you for another really, really great appearance. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk again very soon, Peter. Thank you. Have a happy Fourth of July coming up. You too, buddy. That's a great American right there. Great congressman. Terrific man. Great father. Great husband. Wonderful guy, Pete King. We'll take a short break. When we get back. This fourth and final hour, going to be fun stuff. Her new book is out, Unafraid. Most recently, got jobbed in her gubernatorial run in the great state of Arizona. Carrie Lake and Mr. Winning Team Publishing, who was with President Trump all day in New Hampshire yesterday, Sergio Gore. Lake and Gore, the final hour, live with me in studio, sitting friends in the morning. Take it away, Jacob Dillon. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. going 9.08, fourth and final hour of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, and the book is Unafraid. I've got the lovely Carrie Lake and a very handsome husband in studio. Before we get to Carrie, Sergio Gore is Mr. Winning Teams Publishing. Was here about three weeks ago. Spent the whole hour with Judge Anine Pirro. That was great. And uh, yesterday you were texting me videos of you and President Trump and the crowd going wild in New Hampshire. So when you first came here a couple of weeks ago, I go, who's this guy? Why is he? Hey, he's a book publisher. I go, okay, fine, let him come in. 
Then I come to find, of course, you're not just a book publisher, but you're like President Trump's best friend. You have dinner a couple times a week. You're like a big-time guy. I don't know about that. Put his mic on, Lewis. Go ahead. Thank you, Sid. I think you're very kind. You know, um, the president is absolutely incredible. He loves you. We were actually talking about you yesterday. Is that true? And yeah, 100%. You don't have to say that. No, no, no. I'm telling you. Um, (laughs) I'm telling you, we were talking about you because he asked me what I'm doing um, the next morning. And as we were in New Hampshire, I said, well, the first thing is Carrie Lake's in town. And so she's going on with Sid. And, you know, John's a dear friend and Margot. And so it's always incredible to come back here. It's great to have you. And uh, I mentioned Carrie will join us momentarily and George Janine, but you've got a whole roster of very impressive people. Absolutely. So we started the company about two years ago, and it's myself and Donald Trump Jr., so his son. Um, we own it jointly. And in two years, we're up to almost a dozen authors, and wow. we're very selective. But every one of our books has been a bestseller, and that includes Carrie's book that came out yesterday, Unafraid. It's already a bestseller on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, and so we expect it to be on several lists. We have Don Jr., of course, the president. We published both of his books. His first book sold out. We couldn't keep up with demand. There was no paper in America for Joe Biden. And so we ran out of paper. We have MTG coming out later this fall. Um, We're working on Matt Gaetz. Um, so we, we have some interesting, and of course we just, just did Judge Janine. Yeah, she was great, and uh, her She's book a was great director. too. So you've got Green, you've got Gates, no Chip Roy, the rest of these psychos. You, <laughs> you know, we, we, we keep the MAGA, the America first crowd. That's, yes. that's kind of our yeah. niche. And, um, you mentioned Trump being in New Hampshire yesterday. It's extraordinary. Some people don't get to see all the sides of the president. And he had hundreds of people show up at all the events. They were sold out. People couldn't get in. He spoke at the Republican Federation of New Hampshire Women. Um, there was a individual who pulled up his phone and wanted to face some of them. He said, this is my friend in a hospice. He's dying. Can you please say hello? And the president could not have been more incredible. Just on the spot, Jim, you're doing great. I know you're going to pull through anything we can do for you. You have so many supporters. The guy was in tears. It was unbelievable. I'm not surprised. And he does um, stuff like that all the time. All the time. I mean, this, the time. It's this misconception that all he's not a good guy. No. I mean, I mean, ask this president how to do something like that. Right. Good luck doing something it's, like that. And, and, and look, he might get mad at me for saying this. As soon as we got back on the plane, the first thing he did is he bought lunch for all the officers that escorted him to the airport. Wow. You know, there's things, but he doesn't have, he doesn't like advertising those things. Yeah. But they're just the human touch of it is incredible. Yeah. So uh, before we get to carry here, he's doing great. The poll numbers keep coming up. They indict him. They indict him. They indict him. They, they try to embarrass him. They talk about impeachment, all these things. And it just doesn't seem to matter because, as my mom just pointed out not that long ago, we've had enough, man. We've had enough. And, and there's only one guy who's proven proven, no disrespect to Ron or Tim or Larry, who was in studio yesterday, who's proven they can do it, and that's him. we got to get him back. You're 100% right, and his polls are absolutely incredible. I mean, he's 40 points ahead. He's some of them even higher. Um, DeSantis actually going down yeah. in New Hampshire. Um, surprisingly, Christie um, has gone from two points who? to three. Exactly. I don't even know who that is. But at three is that points. That guy who was governor of New Jersey? And he fell asleep <laughs> on a plane. Um, no, so his polls are absolutely incredible. He's out there nonstop. He'll be in Philadelphia tomorrow. After that, he's going to South Carolina. He's taken an entire town over Pickens, South Carolina, on Saturday. Um, a town of, I think, 5,000 people, and they're expecting 25,000 mm. people to show up. I wish she was on TV Tuesday night because July 4th is such an important holiday. And when I see Biden up there, I get nauseous. Right. I really do. So, but uh, I don't think Biden time. knows what day it is. He has no you idea. You know what I mean? Right. It's, he has no idea. I mean, some of that is true. He is 
his cognitive issues, there's no right. doubt. And that's why I feel badly for the guy. What I don't feel bad is right. he's really a bad person. He's a criminal. He's corrupt. Correct. He's made millions and millions of dollars from our worst enemies. So before we start feeling badly for Joe Biden, he's not a good guy. No. Not a good Absolutely. guy. No. All right. I mean, you crooks. are, but he's not. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So uh, Carrie Lake is here, too. We'll get back to you, too, Sergio. Stick around. How's the coffee today? Good? Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I best Irish Starbucks. coffee. Only I, I think it's Starbucks, though. So. And so. Starbucks did last week have a bunch of people walk out because they refused to put yep. uh, the gay stuff in their stores. Uh, Carrie Lake, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to be here, Sid. Great to have you. This is your second visit now in the last two weeks. That's you, right. You called me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and now you're here in person. You like here. these studios, right? I love it. Great view of the of New York. And um, the, this time we're here, last time we heard it rained three solid days. And so this time it's just perfect summer weather in New York. It's great to be here. And, and you, you know love what? New York. The people, the first time I came back here like a few weeks ago, um, I thought I was going to have people, you know, because it's a liberal town throwing coffee in my face. This town is so ready for a change. I don't, I don't even think New York realizes how conservative they truly are. I was walking down the street. People were stopping me. Thank you for being yeah. a fighter. Yeah. We appreciate you fighting. Don't stop fighting. And yeah. I'm like, where am I? Is this Manhattan? Yeah. No, but I think sure. New Yorkers are fed up with the the crap that's going on in New York. They are. And I get the same treatment. And I'm not nearly as famous or as big as you are. But I do. But here's when New Yorkers fail us, though. They are tired of it. There are a lot of conservatives, but they don't vote. For example, there's a kid named Youssef Salam. This guy was part of the five kids wilding in the park in Central Park. Maybe he didn't rape that girl. Maybe he did. He became part of the quote-unquote exonerated five. He actually won a city council chair in New York yesterday. So while, yes, we do have conservatives, they don't vote, and they yell and scream afterwards, but could you imagine Carrie Lake, a guy like that, who is best friends with one of the guys involved in the 93 World Trade Center bombing has dinner with with a Farrakhan, and he wins. Could you imagine that? Well, I think conservatives are. Um, they kind of throw their hands up and say, it "Doesn't matter if I vote. The city's so you know liberal that my vote won't matter." And, and it, you, we we do have to get out, even in a in a bad, corrupt, um, I believe many times rigged system. We have to get out and vote. And I'm I'm hoping in 24 nobody pulls that. Well, the system's all messed up. Let's not vote. We got to show up in. Such huge numbers to get President Trump back in. Well, you it's talk about not showing imperative. up because of the rigged system, and there are two bases for that. There are two. One is the aforementioned Donald Trump, and the second is you, because you got jobs in Arizona. So people go, wait a second, if I go vote, look what happened to Trump, look what happened to Lake. So yeah. while you're right, encourage people to vote, you become one of the bases of does it really matter. Well, and nobody feels that more than me. That's one thing that President Trump and I have in common. We have kind of a kindred spirit because we've been through that, where you work so hard, you do things for the right reason because you love your country, you love your state, and only to have the corrupt people who run the elections take it from you, and not so much just from me. It hurt personally. I hurt, I ache for the people of Arizona. And really, when they installed Katie Hobbs into the governor's office, it's not just hurting Arizona, it's hurting every state because it's a border state. It's a critical state. And, um, you know, she's incompetent, much like John Fetterman, much like Joe Biden, much Ooh. like some of the people you mentioned. She's up bad. The Democrats are rolling out zombies and brain-dead people because they can't even find Democrats who are willing to spout no. the stuff that they've they've gone so far to the left that even old-school Democrats don't recognize it. Look at RFK Jr. He's being ostracized. By the Democrat Party. This is one of the legendary um, legacy Democrat families, and they're calling him a MAGA Democrat. They're even calling him a closeted 
Republican. Mm. So the Democrats are not the Democrats of yesteryear. They are truly Marxist. And I believe that a section of the Republican Party have gone globalist. Globalism and Marxism or globalism and communism are the same thing. Yeah. And so this is a fight right now between globalism and Americanism. Now, why would we vote in this system? Um, because I think when we show up this next time around, they are they they know we've seen every way they've cheated. And it's going to be a lot harder. You talk I, about the old school Democrats. I was one. I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. And uh, I like the Democrats. Uh, but the last Democrat I liked was Clinton. I did like him. I don't like his wife, but I love Bill. I did. Now, the second term was a disaster. I know that. But I really thought Bill Clinton, the first term, was terrific. That's the last Democrat president I can say something nice about. Even something nice was Clinton. Would you or you hate him? You look at me like I got uh, 19 heads. Did he hit on you somewhere, too? What happened? No, he didn't. Actually, I did meet him once. Uh, it was in a crowd, and, um, you know, I was a lot younger, and we were in a big tent. I, I was covering it. I was as, as a journalist, but I wasn't, like, up with the press. I was in the crowd for some reason. I don't remember how I got in. I must have snuck into the side. And he, through this crowd, if I was, like, five rows back, oh, somehow beelined over and shook my hand and made like the most intense eye contact. I'm like, this guy does have charisma. I'm going to give him that. I'm going to give him that. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard knowing what I know now. Maybe back then I would have said he was a decent guy, but now we know what he did. Well, I'm not sure he's a decent guy. I thought he was a good president. You know, those, those two could be uh, different. You, you yeah. could be a, you could be a bad guy and a good president, or you could be a really nice guy and a horrible president. And, and well, now we I, have... think, I think Barack Obama's not a bad guy, but for the, for the better part of it, he may be a bad guy. But for eight years, he was a horrendous president. Oh, you think really? he's a bad guy, Barack Obama? You uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I do. I hate to burst anyone's bubble out there, but this is a guy who's spying on President Trump. True. On his campaign. True. Lied about it. Um, and I, I really despise what the, pre- how the press covered him. Yeah. You know, at, with kid gloves, never asked a tough question. Black Jesus. I was there uh, <laughs> a, um, almost a year to the day. I interviewed President Obama, and I talk about that in my book, and you see the pictures. Of course, they, the uh, my opponents used the picture of me as a journalist interviewing him and made it look like we're prom Well, I, I did say to you when I looked at the pictures, I go, you and Obama, what's that? And you made the same point. So, yeah. yeah. And I interviewed a year later. I went into the um, the Trump White House. I'm telling you. The difference between the press pool was night and day. A bunch of lap dogs under Obama, oh, you know, with yeah. love in their eyes, staring up at the podium. And then Trump comes in. He's brand new president, wanting to put America first. And in the 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 rabid animals in the press were attacking him relentlessly. Yeah. It was really sick to see. As a journalist myself, I didn't like that because that's not our job. Did you like Trump from the very beginning? I loved him when he came down the escalator. I talk okay. about how I first met Trump as a child and, and growing up in Iowa. I remember babysitting, watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and I think that was the first time I ever heard of Donald Trump. No kidding. And he came on the scene in the 80s. Remember, who is this, yes. this you here, know, sure. um, tycoon, this yeah. real estate tycoon? And I saw him and his beautiful wife and family, and, and I'm not sure which direction Trump Tower is. It's probably around here somewhere. Close. And he's in this beautiful tower, and I thought, wow. And I always... I've never been jealous of people's success. I've always wanted to know, how did they make it? How did they get to that point? And I think that's why I became a journalist, because I like to tell people stories. And so I would have never thought growing – I mean, here I am living on a uh, you know gravel road in Iowa, watching TV, seeing the lifestyles of the rich and famous, and to think 40-plus years later I would be able to call him friend, have the utmost respect for him. And it saddens me greatly, because I am a journalist, a 30-year career journalist – 
to see what this field has become, propaganda, and truly, as Trump says, the enemy of the people. They have for eight years slandered and defamed him, one of the truly great Americans. And because they're trying to get these little brainworms in people's head to, to dislike the man, to hate the man. And they've created that hatred because well, he's a great person. Well, you say they created the hatred. In my case, it went the other way. I didn't vote for him in 2016. I actually thought, and I told him this, you know that, uh, Sergio. Yeah. Right to his face, I said, I thought your campaign was kind of sophomoric. He wore a hat. You're going to build a wall. You nicknamed everybody else. I told him that. I said, <laughs> this guy can't be. I loved him on The Apprentice. He can't be president. I hate Hillary, but I voted for her because I just didn't believe Trump could do it. Now, to this day, that's why he loves me. Because you know in 2016, if you love Trump, you'll always love Trump. Yeah. If you didn't like Trump, you're never going to like him. Well, I was adult enough to go, I'm voting against him. It took me a year to come to the conclusion outside of Reagan, best president of my lifetime. I think he is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to one-up you on that. I think he is the greatest president one we've term. ever had. One term. you got to do two well, terms. Well, he, he should have done two terms. I but agree. we have rigged elections. I agree. Um, I, I believe he is not just the greatest president in America. I think he's going to save this country. I believe he's one of the greatest leaders in, in history. Yeah. In history. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, and he's exactly what we needed. When he came down that escalator, now I'm in the newsroom, okay? So I don't share my opinions uh, publicly, but I heard people in the newsroom going crazy. You know, there's always socialists in the newsroom, and they were like, this guy, he's a racist. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I, I happened to miss the speech because I was working. And so that night I made it a point to go look look for the speech, and I watched it. And it was like, ah, oh, this guy's speaking my language. Yes, Finally, yes. the Republican Party's back. Yeah. And you know what he did? He's brilliant. He took part of the Democrat Party, the old Democrat Party, of caring for the working man and brought that into the Republican fold. This wasn't just the party now of white-collar workers, of uh, hedge fund folks. This is now the party of the working man and the working woman and families. He saved the Republican Party. It was on life support. He breathed new air into it, new energy into it. I loved his 2016 campaign. Actually, I did a lot of things in my campaign modeling off of that. Somebody said, uh, called me one day, and I had a, a half a day off because I had to prep for a, a debate. We had a Republican primary debate. And somebody said, uh, what are you doing? How are you prepping? I go, oh, I'm watching old Donald Trump debates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, it worked out well. I can't argue. Uh, he's a genius. He, he's no, a political he is. genius. He I don't is. care what they say about him. And if the press actually was honest with themselves, they would start covering him fairly. They're going to realize at some point, and it might be years from now, um, that they were completely not just unfair, but um, it was malpractice. They're not going to realize it. They already know it. They know. They're not stupid. You think Chuck Todd is stupid? He's not. You think Phil Griffin was stupid? You think Jeff Zucker is stupid? You think Chris? They're not stupid. They know exactly what they're doing. They're agenda-driven. They're biased. They're not yeah. stupid. They're not. Well, I think they're stupid, but I, but you're, uh, th- that's evil. That's just evil. Though. Yes, I agree. Evil, maybe a little stupid, but mostly evil. <laughs> well, uh, we got lots more to do with uh, Carrie Lake. The book is Unafraid, which she clearly is, folks. And uh, Sergio Gore is here, too, from Winning Team Publishing. She'll okay. be with us right till 10 o'clock. So we'll take a very, very short break, and we'll come back with Carrie Lake. Legitimate superstar, folks, trust me. She got it all, this lady. Come back with Carrie Lake right after these short messages. It's all right. It's all right.
Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. She keeps them away I was just telling my friend Carrie Lake, I spoke to Tom Arnold recently. She didn't know that his sister, because she's from Iowa, his sister was like the biggest meth dealer in the country. And they did a whole documentary, like a 10-piece documentary, on how she actually got all the meth from all these other states, and it was there in Iowa. Distributed out of Iowa? Yes. She went to prison for a long time. Tom was there. In fact, Tom and Roseanne, at the time they're doing so well, Roseanne paid for a lot of the legal bills. You don't know wow. what it is. I love Roseanne. I absolutely you love do Roseanne. Love her. And I, yeah. I used to like Tom, but he just became very belligerent. Look, we all have difference of opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't think we have to get belligerent. We can get, you know, um, stern and we can get passionate. Yeah. But the belligerent part I don't like. And, you know, there's like a phrase in Iowa they call Iowa nice because everyone's so nice. For example, when my husband and I, first time I brought him to Iowa, when we had kids, we were strolling down the street. There was some sort of a street festival going on, and uh, somebody stopped. We stopped and said hello to somebody, and we ended up having a 15-minute conversation with them. And, you know, I've got our kids in the stroller, and we finally finish it up. We stroll away, and Jeff says, so how do you know them? Did you go to high school with that guy? And I go, who? And he goes, the guy, the people we just talked to. I go, oh, I don't know who the hell they are. We are just talking. Funny. This is how Iowa Iowa is. people are, yeah. So Tom yeah. became very... Angry and he is. belligerent. A lot of them are. You mentioned Stern, Howard Stern, my hero. What happened uh, to him? He went crazy, too. Uh, Michael Rappaport. These are crazy, crazy people. But you got to be careful when you judge a book by its cover because you said to me at the break, you said, I don't know, it's coming to New York and meeting a guy named Sid from New York City. I was expecting some, like, older type of guy. And your exact quote was, <laughs> you look like a hitman. <laughs> like, who is that killer walking down the hall? Oh, that's the guy you're going to be interviewing with. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, it was, it was different for you. That's what's so great about radio. You know, you're just hearing, you're letting your imagination go. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I worked in TV as a television broadcast journalist, but I occasionally would fill in on the radio and it's so freeing. It's so freeing because you don't have to worry about all of this. No. And there's a credible, uh, incredible intimacy that I share with my audience. Now I am, this stuff is, uh, on video. Like, for example, if you look behind you right now, that's going to oh. be all over Twitter today and Instagram. Well, you and... didn't tell me I was on. I would, I'm over here like, you know. No, no, you look great. This <laughs> camera here, you can't see, but this camera here has you on. You look terrific. And it's going to be all over the place. And I'm in movies and TV and all that type of stuff. So people <laughs> okay. know what I look like generally. But I want to get back to your book for a second. I have to tell you that I've done two books. Uh, one, you're wrong and you're ugly. It's 13 years old, done by a sports <laughs> publisher in Chicago. I swear to God. That's a great, that's a great title. Yes. Uh, and the other one was called Citizens United, came out in September, done by Post Hill Press, which is basically Simon and Schuster. But I gotta tell you, it is hard to sell books. In your case, it's not going to be because, A, you're incredibly popular. You really are. You've got Donald Trump writing the forward for your book. You've got a story that every American knows about. Mm-hmm. So while selling books, trust me, I'm too in, is not that easy. This, for you, is going to be a huge success. Well, you know, I pray. And, and if, if it's meant to be a success, God will, will deliver that for me. But um, I just wanted to get this story out. How does this, you know, kid, the youngest of nine, grows up in rural Iowa, end up living the American dream, walking away from a dream career that I worked so hard, so hard. This was I didn't have any connections when I got into broadcasting. And I made it to the top and walked away from a seven-figure contract. Wow. Because I could no longer lend my heart, my soul, my voice, and my reputation to what was going out, which I believe was propaganda. And then I end up somehow 
when I just truly said, God, I'm, I'm handing my life 100%, not 50%, not 75%, 100%. I am yours. You tell me where you want me to go. An amazing thing happened. The people of Arizona started reaching out saying, would you please run for office? Somehow I end up in the middle of the political world at a pretty consequential time. Let's face it. This isn't, these aren't normal times. I end up in the middle of the political world leading a movement in Arizona of moms and dads and, and grandparents, students. You know, it's, it's just amazing. And I want people to know the story. I don't want people to lose hope right now. We're in dark times. But I want your listeners, and this might be a little too touchy-feely for New York. Sid, just snap my neck if it is. <laughs> yeah. um, we are never, we have never been closer to taking our country back than we are right now. We're closer today than we were yesterday. We're closer today than we were a month ago, two months ago. And every day, more truths come out, um, more evidence comes out. And I believe we're going to take this country back. I'm seeing it. When I'm on New York, the streets of New York, and people are saying, don't stop fighting. There's yeah. something going on. No, listen, it's a very big state. But we can't There's lose millions hope. Of people. What, what, what is happening as of late uh, that you've come to this conclusion? What's happening? Well, I, I'm seeing again. little um, little victories here and there. Now, you might say, well, Carrie, your case, the judge shot it down. He, he didn't rule in your favor. Well, we're appealing it. But guess what? In our, We were the first election case that ever got to court where the evidence got out. And the judge may not have the courage to do the right thing, but anybody who's reasonable, who listened to that evidence, knows what they did in, in Maricopa County. It was a rigged election. They messed with us. They messed with our sacred vote. And while the judge didn't rule in our favor, the public knows what happened. And we just found out, I, I, I might have the numbers a little bit off, so I think it was 700,000 or so, these phantom voters in New York. Mm. You heard about that, right? Yes, yes. People don't exist. They're dead. They're gone. They don't live here. Right. 700. This isn't 700. This isn't 700,000. Maybe New York isn't as blue as they say it is when that kind of stuff's going on. Now, I don't know where we get the full justice because right now we're not living in a system where there is justice. It's unfair. But this information's coming out. And as we, the people, learn about it and we remember, we hold the power. Our founding fathers set up this beautiful country with a constitution where we, the people, hold the power. Not these sick bureaucrats, not the weak government. This government wants us afraid of them. They should be afraid of we, the people, because we hold the power. One of the things that uh, Trump supporters talk about is this. What are you talking about now? Rigged elections and confidence in that. And uh, some of Trump's most ardent supporters have said, hey, Donnie, baby, enough. We got it. Yeah, 2020. Move off 2020. If you really want to win in 2024, talk about what you did well, the difference between you and Biden. Stop talking about the election. And Trump goes, no, I'm not going to because that is one of the big issues in our country today. And quite frankly, maybe it'll happen to me again. So he continues to bring it up even against some of his most ardent supporters' wishes. Well, I support him in that. <laughs> I know you do. You're in the and same boat. Why. I think the people who say that are short-sighted. And, and, and to me, that's a red flag. Any Republican who's saying, just ignore 2020 and 2022. Really? You ready for 24 Not then? just ignore it. Tell, tell people you lost. No, that's absurd. That's absurd. And here's why. I'm a mother. I'm a mother first and foremost. And if we have a trouble in our family, if I find out my son or my daughter has got involved in something bad and, my marriage, if my marriage is on the rocks, you don't put your head in the sand and just hope it gets better. You deal with it. You work through it. We, I, I do have my eye on the future. And I know President Trump does as well. His Agenda 47 is the most brilliant policy I've ever seen in my life. I've covered politics for a long time. These are policies that are not right wing. 
They're not extreme. They are common sense policies to get us out of the quagmire we're in, the hole we're in, and the disaster that Biden has set up. So he does have a plan for the future. We know he can do it because he's already gotten us out of a mess before. And we have to also fix our elections. Not fix, because that's what they do in Chicago. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) We need to reform our elections. All I want is for everyone's vote, one legal vote per legal voter. And I want want the Democrats' vote to count. I I, I say this at the end of my book and in the acknowledgments, um, and I'm talking about – I got to get – I should know exactly how I said it. And I thanked a few people. Um, And I thanked um, President Trump, of course, and many other people. But I say finally – to those who don't support our mission. We are fighting for your future, too. I know you will eventually come around and join us in making America great again. Well said. You're getting applause from the guys behind the glass, I just am. so you know, Carrie. These yeah. guys are tough New Yorkers. Yeah, well, he's drunk, so. He's, he's tearing he's up. He's drunk. He's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, traffic is coming up next with Joe Nolan and more, of course, of Carrie Lake. We have 25 more minutes to go. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. All right, folks. Listen up, ABC listeners. I love this song. I get to Phoenix. I get to Phoenix. She'll be rising. She'll be sweating, I can promise you that. ARP. Hey, ARP of New York is sending you to see the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. That's right. Get ready to enjoy an unforgettable day at the ballpark because I've got a pair of tickets right now. Giving away Tuesday night, July the 4th, the Ferry Hawks are taking on the Lexington Counterclocks. If you call the number six right now, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. The Ferry Hawks, our team on Staten Island, taking on the Lexington Counterclocks, comes your way Tuesday night, July the 4th. By uh, make that call now. You get these free tickets. Learn also. You can volunteer with AARP of New York. Visit aarp.org/volunteer with AARP and Y. And of course, good luck to you. Back here with Carrie Lake. Our new book is out, Unafraid, and everybody's very excited about it. And uh, we talked about uh, President Trump. It's a big deal. He wrote the forward for your book. I had Audie Lang. John Katzmatidis and Bernie McGurk, God rest his soul. You've got President Trump, and he said some really nice things. One thing I was going to ask you, if I remember correctly, maybe I'm wrong. One of your rallies in Arizona, when Trump was there, and he, he introduced you to the crowd, was that the one where Nigel Farage, one of those rallies, Nigel Farage had oh, me. Oh, I remember that. Was no, that, that yours? No, I was still a journalist. I was still a newswoman at that time, and I remember that. I got a lump in my throat. It was that your was, city, though, right? It, it, was, it was our city, yeah. Yeah, now him and I are good buddies. Anytime something Fantastic. happens in England, he comes on because that day, I didn't know who he was. Spoke I watched him at that. Oh, such a good, Right from I, the right, heart. Right, right. Like Trump did in your book. Read what uh, he said about well, it. Well, let me, let me give you a setup on this. First of all, as a journalist, I interviewed, President Trump granted me two exclusive interviews because that's what a fair journalist I was. I mean, most people would just try to do a hit job on him, and I never did that. And so, but I don't think he remembered that when I when I then when I get into politics, he comes out to do um, an election integrity rally in July of ooh twenty twenty one. Okay, July twenty fourth was the date, and all of the gubernatorial candidates on the Republican ticket were there except one of them. I guess she was on a yacht trip or something like that. <laughs> but okay. so, you know, they, they brought in Turning Point, brought all of everyone running on the Republican ticket. So there were like four or five of us on the, you know, gubernatorial. And I got a rousing uh, when I did my speech, the crowd went wild, which was wonderful. A couple hours later, Trump shows up. 
he goes down in his speech and he lists all the, the candidates and he goes one by one. He says, so I'm going to read you from the forward what he wrote. Yeah. During the rally, I went down the list of candidates who had joined us that day. As I was naming the various Arizona gubernatorial candidates, something truly remarkable happened. I said the words, Carrie Lake, and the crowd went wild. Thunderous applause quite literally shook the room as thousands of Arizonans cheered, clapped, and screamed at the mere mention of Carrie's name. For the other candidates who were also there, who were mentioned by me, this big auditorium remained virtually silent. Oh, my God. That's great for he, you, my apparently, God. Charlie Kirk uh, <laughs> told me that when they left the stage that day, he turned to Charlie and said, i got to find out more about this Carrie Lake woman. That's him. <laughs> And, and what's cool is uh, I told you the story because a month after that, I was here in New York City, up in Trump Tower, having a meeting with the president. My husband and I were sitting there um, right in front of his desk in those red, you know, beautiful red chairs sitting across from him in his office. And I thought, wow, a month ago is when he first kind of went, whoa. And he said, when the, the crowd went wild, it was a one full minute of just people chanting my name, cheering. It really felt it really felt good, I must admit. Yeah. And President Trump, like, he pulled away from the podium and he said, wow, wow, this is going to be a good night for you. What was a better moment for you when the crowd went nuts or actually sitting with Trump in the in the Trump Tower the first time? I think when the crowd went nuts, yeah, because this is yeah. a I have a love affair with Arizona. I mean, yeah. These people are so amazing. The people of Arizona are just incredible people. They invited me into their home all those years. And so when I felt that love, that's from awesome. Them, Although Arizona, oh, you know, we, we talked about it, uh, if you're going to be honest about Arizona. And I've been there many times, Scottsdale, Phoenix. I think it's too hot. There. And I love the sun, as you can tell. Uh, but 115, sweetheart, is 115. Well, we have to weed out the weaklings, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll do weaklings. <laughs> I went from a hitman to being a weakling. I well, like apparently. that. But, um, but on a serious note, the cartels, the drug issue, which, of course, is not your fault or Trump's fault. It's Biden's fault and Mallorca's and the rest of these losers. But it really is terrible, yes? It's terrible right now. And this is why they had to rig the election. I mean... All these weak governors, governors, I don't know if they don't realize it, they're too stupid to realize it, or they're controlled. Governors have a lot of control and a lot of power. They get money, too, And I was watching what was happening in Arizona as a mother, and I was appalled. The governor's sitting there doing nothing. I actually called him do-nothing Ducey (laughs) and doormat Ducey because he was a doormat to the cartels. Just because we have Biden, you know, when Trump was in office, I covered that border for 27 years. It had never been more secure. Day one, hour one. Bumbling Biden comes in and pulls back all of that. That's an intentional attack on America, in my opinion. And I said, you know what? We don't need the federal government. We are 50 sovereign states. And when I become governor, I I put forth the most bold, uh, aggressive plan for our border using Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the Constitution. If the government is failing us, there's the guarantee clause that requires them to protect us, then we have the ability to protect our citizens if we're yeah. under invasion. If we're, yeah. And we are being invaded. Sure. And they knew that the minute, I said, the minute my hand comes off that Bible, we are going, we're going to go uh, balls out mm. on this cartel. I like that. And so they yeah. had to actually yeah. stop me yeah. with the election. Well, and they now know. we have a cartel lawyer in our Secretary of State's office. <laughs> we have a cartel lawyer. I know, ridiculous. Now, of course, people know, too, that you're uh, very pro-Second Amendment. So am I. You're not afraid to say, like my mother does, if they show up on my lawn, I'm going to shoot them. Uh, my mother does say that, by the way. Uh, so, and I'm with you <laughs> I like that. your mom. Well, you do, you'd love my mother. Uh, one of the things I like about your book, too, is you talk about McCain. And even, again, the most ardent Trump supporter thought Donald was a bit out of line the way he talked about John McCain. Uh, but because you do the media, that. because the media didn't cover that exchange fairly. Again, like you know, they always take a, a snippet 
and they they lie about that exchange. Mm. And, if, and I put the whole exchange that Trump had. Did you love McCain as an Arizonian? Uh, no, you didn't. I, love him. I didn't. No, you I covered, loved, the, you I loved the fact him. that he served the country. I I absolutely respect his. Sure. Of course, we all do. We we respect our veterans. Right. But I'm going to tell you this. I covered that man for 27 years. And why is he the only politician who has some sort of a free pass where you can't criticize or comment on? Because he served. On his political. But there's other veterans who served who you, you can't talk about his political decisions. I think you can. And I know he, and listen, his I know what he did. His voting record. The Hillary Clinton stuff, the dossier. Yeah. I know what he did. Let me tell you. He's the reason that, uh, that dossier got to the FBI. He I know took that. that. He knew it was a BS dossier. He knew it was a hit job against our President Trump that the, the people love and respected. And he brought that BS dossier, marched it over to the FBI and started this whole disgusting Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Yeah. And he put our, he, that really hurt our country. I agree with you. No, it listen, hurt our country. I think it's fair to, let me, let me tell you what else he did. Uh, he promised the people, he'd come home every six months. Uh, every six years for six months and talk to the people of Arizona and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to repeal Obamacare. When that fell squarely on his shoulders, he walked in there and gave the thumbs down. Yeah. yeah. He said he was going to build the wall. And then when President Trump gets in office and says, John, I want to build the wall, he turned against Trump. That's true. So I don't believe any politician should be free from critique, criticism, or comments. But somehow you can't talk about McCain. 30 more seconds. I want to come back. We'll wrap things up with you. We didn't even get into what his, he was up to in Ukraine. Oh, I know. You're right about that. We've got to read the book. That's more reason uh, to read the book. Yeah. Is it in the book? Well, I didn't get into McCain's uh, dealings okay. in Ukraine, okay. but, you know. He did have Sarah Palin as his vice president. I know you're considering running for Senate in the state of Arizona. What if Trump said to you, I don't, there's a lot of names out there, Nancy Mace and who knows who else. What if Trump said to you, you know what, Carrie? Woman strong you're the perfect choice trump and carrie lake that's a good sounding ticket no what do you think you know i i am really concentrating right now on my court case. that means she's in she's in <laughs> <laughs> i've been asked this question a few times you know i love it though when the fake news asks it because i go well at least you're admitting that trump's going to be the nominee if you're already asking about vp because i don't hear anybody asking about chris christie's vp no desantis's vp pick i don't hear any of that President Trump will decide that. You know, if there's anybody who doesn't even need a VP, I know you have to have one, but Trump is so strong and powerful, it doesn't really matter. I, I hope he picks somebody who can help him, who will um, take some of the shots for him and um, and go after some of these people so that he doesn't always have to be the one throwing punches. You know, he I never like had you. that with Pence. Pence did not have, obviously he didn't have his back. We, he no. disappointed us greatly, no. Americans, but... He never um, stood up for Trump. No. You got to have a vice president who will throw a few punches. That's you. Well, I'm not saying that, but I am. Well, I, am. I am seriously considing running for Senate right now. We have Kirsten Cinema there. She votes with Biden 95 percent of the time. I know. Gotta get rid of her. And you're right. I don't feel sorry for Biden. I used to feel sorry. No, for him, no. He's but an this animal. guy is owned He's by an the CCP. We literally have a CCP puppet yeah. sitting in the White House. He is uh, working for them, not for we the people. Agreed. No, and animal. his entire family is depraved, and I um, and they need to go. Agreed. Let's come back, do a quick break, a couple more minutes on the very out here with Carrie Lake, who has been nothing short of phenomenal. Lou loves her. Look at Lou. You love her, right? That's a strong lady. That is an incredible woman. Carrie Lake will wrap it up right after this. Off the wall. 
That's all. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, we are back to wrap things up. What has been an amazing hour. I promise she'd be great. She was actually better. Carrie Lake, the book is unafraid. About 50 seconds, Carrie. Tell folks why today they need to buy this book. Well, thank you for having me on, Sid. I've been really enjoying my time in New York. You know, I want people to buy this book to show that when you stand up and do something that, you know, you're a little afraid of, although New Yorkers aren't really afraid, but sometimes they might be. Once you kind of pass through that and you go, all right, I'm making a, a big stand here. On the other side, you are truly unafraid, and we need to stand up right now. Use the the most powerful weapon we have, not our Second Amendment, although I do think that's pretty powerful. Yes. we got to use our voices right now. And I know New Yorkers aren't afraid to speak up, but we need to speak up. We need to support President Trump. We all know he is the man for the moment. Uh, I hope people will buy this book. You can find it at CarrieLake.com, Amazon.com, you know, Barnes & Noble. What's the best place to buy it? CarrieLake.com. Well, because yeah. then you can see more about, um, you know, our policies America first is the only way out of the mess we're in. The political yes. elite have are destroying our country. I'm talking some Republicans as well and some Democrats. Oh, yeah. We've got to we've got to put America first, and that's why I love President Trump. That's why what my policy was. That's why they had to stop me because they thought, okay, we've stopped Trump. Now we got to oh geez, we have yeah. Trump in heels. <laughs> Holy smokes! Up in heels. And you know what? That. They're not stopping me. I, I initially were, was just going to name this unafraid, and then I got. Uh, so many people saying, what's next? I said, I'm going to say just getting started, just to send a shiver down their Love spine. It. Love it. it so is, we're uh, not going to stop. We're going to save our country. And yeah. I want people to have hope. The same God that parted the Red Sea is with us today. And he put us here at this moment because we are the people to save this great nation that God had a part in making. And so I just thank you, New York, and I love you, and we're going to turn this thing around. Perfect. Carrie Lake, everybody. Go buy her book, as you just sort of talk about, Unafraid. And, yes, vote for President Trump in 2024. We're done for today. Big show tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly, Judge Napolitano, the cast of Gravesend, a host of others. Until Thursday, for Carrie Lake, I'm Sid Rosenberg. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.